All those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything Marvelous. Welcome to this weekend, Marvelous number two hundred eighty-seven. <laughs> all right, no one can understand anything if we're all talking at once. It's true. Sorry. I'm Vice President and Executive Editor Ryan Panagos, aka Marvel's Agent M, joined by Marvel Editorial Director of Digital Media Benjamin J. Morse, and we've got with us the intern Nicholas F. Jacobino. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing with your hands there. Nick is out of control today. Before we started recording, Nick started doing an Oprah imitation that was just off the chain. Yeah. And really, I don't want... As Oprah would say, it was off the chain. As as Oprah Oprah would say, she would say off the chisane. She likes my impression. We hang out sometimes. Yeah. Cool. Me, her, and Gail. We're just best buds. Wow. Gail. Nice Oprah Um, reference. So we're recording this on Friday. Yep, sorry. Uh, it took me a long time to read all these books because okay. I came back from a long trip. Oh, uh, what a trip. I'm back, though. Uh, on my day off, I had to um, track my phone because I left it in a cab the no, night before that's this right. past Monday. The worst. Um, I had to go to Queens to pick it up and then get back home oh, in time Queens. for my bag to arrive because yes, the airline didn't... Bag. Put my the the airline put my bag on the wrong flight. Right. Oh no. So um, after the long trip, I had a day of craziness, just like pursuing uh, things that you had lost. Yes, but I did get to play a bunch of Marvel heroes. Omega, oh yeah. yeah. Um, the the closed beta on mm, PlayStation, PlayStation 4. Four. Yeah, I'm waiting for Xbox One. I can't uh, wait. Yeah. This game I've wanted to play for years. Yep. And I don't have a good computer at home, nope. so I've never been able to play it. I don't have a PlayStation 4, so I still can't play it. You're going to have to get one, bro. Think why? about it. Spider-Man is oh, coming. God, you're right, you're right. Eventually, you're going to need a PlayStation All right, 4. Mm. All right. Christmas time is coming soon. around the, yeah. the corner. Yeah. yeah. Can you put that on your Christmas list? Next thing <laughs> right. you get a PlayStation, PlayStation 4. PlayStation 4. Yeah. I'll, I'll, we'll find you some good games to play awesome. while we wait for Spidey. Awesome. But, uh, I yeah, love it. It's going to be great. And then... I can't yes. wait till Nick gets me one. Yes. I have it written down. Good job. Yeah, but I played a bunch of um, Spider-Man. Um, not Spider-Man. No, not yet. Uh, not yet. <laughs> I played a bunch of Marvel Heroes Omega. It was so good. Doctor Strange. Yep. Incredible. Nova is. Yeah. Someone amazing. was telling me about Nova this Joe week. I, oh yeah, Joe Tarabarelli. Joe yeah. Tarabarelli is all over that uh, Marvel Heroes Omega. He loves it. Yeah. He's been playing it like crazy. He said he compared it to Ultimate Alliance. Hundred percent. Which, uh, of course, great pedigree there because yeah. I love Ultimate Alliance. Yeah. And it's like Ultimate Alliance to that nth level because you're just playing with other people and there's super cool stuff and the story's great. Do you remember at Wizard when we got the sneak peek of Ultimate Alliance and we would stay late playing it? Oh yeah. And I would call my wife, probably then my girlfriend, and say that I needed to stay at work to do extra work and then she eventually (laughs) found out what I was really doing and I got in a lot of trouble. Remember all that? Our relationship built upon lies. (laughs) Uh, It's great stuff. Um, And then tonight I am going to uh, although when you guys listen to this well, you're going to listen to this in a couple hours real soon. Um, Who knows? 
Fast. A couple days later. Yeah. Whatever the case may be. On Friday night, Ryan is going to... Uh, Tribeca is having a games festival this weekend, and Ooh. I am going to it to participate with uh, Telltale Games, mm-hmm. the Guardians of the Galaxy Telltale series. They're doing a crowd play. I got the impression that they wanted me to participate like on the stage, but then I don't know if that's what they meant. We'll find out. So whatever, I'm going. I'm gonna hang I out. I say just go, like. just crash the stage. Yeah, just like, go on there. Uh, what are you looking at? Uh, I'm here. You can't <laughs> stop me. Yeah. Uh, go. I'm Agent M. I'm Agent M. Uh, but it's a good time for games, and we're having a lot of fun. Yep. Robert um, De Niro will be there. Yeah. Bobby D. Bobby D. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. To his friends. Yeah. Uh, so it's good. It's fun stuff. It's very good stuff. And speaking of fun stuff, we've got quite a podcast today. Yes. We have, of course, we're going to go over all the comics that came out, um, as we do. Then we're going to flip it over to the news section where I interviewed editors Will Moss and Tom Brevore. Um, Will talked about Inhumans, the Once and Future Kings. Have you heard about this? No. In- Wait. Wait. Yeah, something is ringing a bell. There's right. something going on. We announced it last week at yeah, C2E2. Yeah, yeah. Um, 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 what is it? It's Christopher Priest. Yes. Christopher yeah. Priest making Chris his return to Marvel. <laughs> illustrated by illustrated by Phil Noto. <laughs> and it's all about kind of the origin of Black Bolt, Maximus, Medusa, focusing yes. on the Inhumans back in the Dizze. Christopher Priest. Yeah, Christopher Priest. All up back in your Marvel area. As anyone should be, and yes. as anyone would be, we talked to uh, we talked to Priest briefly at New York Comic Con last year. We were just talking about Black Panther stuff with him. I look forward to doing much more with him on the hell yeah. Stuff. And then I talked to Mar- uh, Tom and Alana Smith about Marvel Legacy, which oh, is cool. a big new imprint that we've yeah, got yeah. coming out uh, starting, I think, in the fall. Sure. Let's say that. I don't know. Summer? Fall. You were on the so. comic stuff yeah. closer October, than I did. I think yeah. I just read an article hey. about it, but I'm pretty sure October. Good um, job, Nick. Great. Axel Alonso was doing some press for it, and he was like, this is going to change the game, and I got really excited. This is why Nick is the best in the business yeah. at what he does. Also spoke to Bill Roseman yep. about Guardians of the Galaxy, which was our Twim URC selection, which we'll talk about later, but yeah. I talked to Bill about it. Bummed he, I couldn't be part of the, the yeah. chat with Bill, but Sorry, my days man. have been too crazy this yeah. week, so... Um, I did read the book yeah. in anticipation of doing the Twim URC, and it was great. And I forgot about how it tied into Secret Invasion, mm. and that was a great story. Yep. Um, and which is cool because it reminds me of like what we're like the Occupy Avengers story right now. Mm-hmm. There's like mm-hmm. some similarities yeah. to that. We can get to that a little bit later. Yeah. Very cool. Yes. Great. Great. That's what you guys are going to hear. But we have to start it all off with our comics. Yeah. Um, who's kicking things off? Do you want to kick things I'll off, kick Ryan? things off. Kick it off. Uh, the first of my three picks is Black Panther number 13, mm. the first part of Avengers of the New World. Avengers um, of the New World. It's a great song. Uh, written by ta Coates, art by Wilfredo Torres, Laura Martin, and Andrew Crossley. Uh just straight up, it starts off in a hotel suite. Yeah. In, uh, hotel Gavinsvort. Yeah. G- Gainsvort. As you do. In the Imperial mm. Suite, mm-hmm. as well Ooh. it should be. As T'Challa is chatting with someone, and you don't see who they are for, at first, and then you flip the page, and it is Storm. What? Looking amazing. Looking great. Alfredo crushes yeah. this. She's been working out. Yeah, she's fit. <laughs> Let's say they both are. She's they a, both look great. She's a fit bird. What? No, okay, nope. not okay. Nope. Nick, uh, mark it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but <laughs> what are you even writing? It's great. There's, there's like, what have they been doing? Mm-hmm. How you know, like, Who it knows, feels man. right. Though. I like their relationship as written by Tanahasi Coates as two people who are just very 
comfortable around each yes. other. And it reminded me just of uh, like TV pairings when you have two people who are working together but they've got the underlying romantic tension yes and it just it was really cool and, and i like what they talk about too. and they've been through so much like they've been married they separated they've been through all this stuff yep. they know like they know he knows being a king she knows being worshipped they yep. know being part of this greater like fight for the world mm-hmm. and it's it's really incredible and now at this place in their lives like this feels like it feels perfect. Yeah. Like, I want to read... I could read just the two of them hanging out and Absolutely. talking. Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. For dozens and dozens of pages. Yeah. But we get... Um, Stuff they get into is pretty cool, though. Yeah, what they get into, because T'Challa's like... Um, he asks her, like, well, are you a goddess? Like, yeah. like it's an interesting piece, because he, nice. you know, he's like, you know, you've been worshipped, but what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And gets into that, and then he starts talking about uh, Wakanda's gods, you know, Bast and um, Thoth and the rest of them, and like what they mean to him, what they mean to Wakanda, what they mean now in light of, like, the last bunch of events that he's been dealing with, um, with, you know, the the uprisings, and now there are these snake men who come out, which, the snake men, I don't know, have they been, uh, like, I don't know. They're they're new to me. Okay. They're new to me. Um, But, yeah, so Black Panther has to fight these snake men, and there's this part in here, he's like, like, I thought... One, he thinks that the people who are saying these tales of snake men and magic and all this stuff were just making stuff up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he gets there, uh, and there are actual snake men. And he's like, no, I will not lie. Man. I was happy the elders were right. All through the rebellion, I was fighting my own people. I had to hold back. Yeah. But now I can embrace my essence, the panther. And there's this beautiful yeah. splash page of him with all these snake men falling around Decimated. him. Just looking awesome. Looking it's awesome, so dude. cool. Um, but there's a bigger threat going on. We do get... To Back to them talking. Aurora we get this and great Dave Cockrum homage here. Yes, beautiful. Yeah, it, it's it's really cool. Um, it's 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 a Dave Cockrum homage. That is a Dave Cockrum moment from Giant Size X Men Numero Uno. Cool. Because yeah. when I looked at it, some of, especially in some of the line work on the face reminded me of Johnny Junior. Sure. Just in terms of like it. the way it's it's drawn, but yeah. whatever. It's no, that's super a direct cool. Dave Cockrum. Great. That's why you're the best in the business, Ben. Hello. Um, but. There's just flirting and awesome stuff between them. Uh, we flip back. We go to Wakanda, and we see Shuri and um, uh, Eden Fessy. Uh, they're talking. They're doing research. They're trying to figure out what the situation is with these snake men and find out that there's historical um, significance to them, and them being back is a big deal. I'm really glad. I know we say this every time he shows up anywhere, but I'm really glad he's using Manifold oh as like a supporting character. Yes. Just one of the best new characters in years. I was so happy when he showed up in Avengers. I'm glad he's in the crew, and I'm really glad he's here, too. <laughs> totally. Um, there's a big old fight, throwdown, um, but we get to see that what they originally thought was happening mm-hmm. is a much bigger situation yeah. and it's going to take Panther and his whole team here like his big supporting crew is really important for him to get through all this and it's I'm excited for the rest of this, this series and this story man what I love about Black Panther I mean I love a lot of things about Black Panther but what I really like about what Ta-Nehisi doing and it kind of you see it with um, when he's introducing the different gods of Wakanda mm-hmm. and saying what they do and stuff like that he's, he's done so much thought as to the world building of Black Panther and Wakanda he really wants to make Wakanda a real place you see it in the back on the map when he's like you know here's the history that he's come up with it's just like we've had this amazing location for years and he's putting so much work into fleshing out something that was already 
pretty pretty intense yes. so i just i love that yeah i also loved moon girl and devil dinosaur number 18 written by amy reader on her swan song and brandon montclair what yeah, Amy Reader is. Uh, this was her last issue. What? Brandon Montclair sticking around. Natasha Boutsos, who uh, drew it, is sticking around, and Tom Rabon Villain, who is the colorist, sticks around as well. But what? Amy is Amy is going off to greener pastures Aww. to do some other stuff. I know she's not going to be the cover artist anymore either. What? Yeah, I know. It's you know how I le- found all this out. What? Well, first of all. <laughs> She has a nice letter in the end where she says, like, hey, this is my last issue. But I found it out because I published a story that said at the bottom, like, at the end of all of our stories, you say, like, you know, check out the next issue by so-and-so and and -and so-and-so. And I had by Amy Reader, and Amy Reader actually emailed me to say, like, hey, Ben, sorry, I'm not going to be on the next issue. And I'm like, what? What? Yeah, just like that. But what a way to go. Uh, it's the conclusion of the story that's been going on. The smartest there is. Part six, Moon Girl gathering her allies to say she's finally ready to deal with Doctor Doom once and for all or to deal with all these Doom bots. It's great. She's in her lab and she's got this Doom bot wired up to a stop sign. Uh, just the Doom bot head basically saying like, uh, I'm, I'm going to use this as research while I'm doing my thing. But the Doom bot just sasses her and does all this crap uh really cool stuff about moon girl finally coming to grips with her relationship with devil dinosaur it's really beautiful stuff where she you know she's she hates switching minds with him but she realizes that switching minds with him has actually taught her some lessons it's actually brought her some good stuff so some really touching stuff there uh the bond between them is great there's someone on a recent episode uh in the comments and questions asked where the killer folk were oh and we find out we we, we see them in here so you get a little bit of that killer folk yes if that's what you're looking for. Um, and then we get some stuff with Moon Girl's parents, which I thought was kind of sad but kind of touching, where the yeah. mom's just, like, waiting for her to make dinner. And it's Thanksgiving, and It's too. Thanksgiving. Um, so then Moon Girl is faced with, in the middle of Yancey Street. I like that she's from Yancey Street, too. Yeah. I think that's a nice uh, nice homage to something. It's not an homage. It's the wrong word. Nick, write that down. Um, I love that he writes down whatever I say. Um, but no, she calls on Thing, Hulk, Doctor Strange, the X-Men, Ironheart, Miss Marvel, and we have this great, awesome fight splash page of all the heroes just coming. Oh, and Kid Kree's there, too. And they just come, and Natasha Bustos just draws the heck out of it, and they beat the crap out of Doctor Doom. And we see Lunella really being accepted by the heroic community. Like, she is a legit superhero. This is really her coming out party. And um, the thing even says, and you belong, Moon Girl, with all of us. It's a great moment. And then the best is her riding Devil Dinosaur at the end, just saying, like, I had to learn something, something new. Learning was always the easiest thing to do. But for the first time in my life, learning something new was hard. Two heads are better than one. That's simple math. And she says she learned that from Devil Dinosaur. So sweet. Such a sweet book. So well drawn. Uh, Gonna, this, see, this next issue is uh, the art is by Natasha Bustos because Amy Reader's leaving the book. Oh, what? So, (laughs) yeah, we got a nice farewell from Amy here, and she uh, leaves it in the capable hands of Brandon, Natasha, and company. Okay. Okay. All right. Still gonna love it and still gonna read it. Should. 
It's right. good. Uh, my next pick is Patsy Walker, a.k.a. Hellcat, number 17. Mm. Another mm. ending um, here written by Kate Leth, art by Brittany L. Williams, and colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. And this is the final issue of the series, and it makes so me sad. sad. Yeah, so um, sad. This is awesome. It's so queer and so awesome and so great. I love every friggin' thing about this book. Mm-hmm. Vampire um, Jubilee. Uh, so the book opens with Patsy getting a letter. Um, she gets a letter that is basically uh, a note from Jen Walters, her best friend. Bestie. First time she's really had contact with Jen uh, since Jen was injured in Civil War II. Um, But it's a lawyerly thing Mm. because she got a load of money. (laughs) She's got some money. Basically, Patsy now is rich. Yep, she, super rich. She doesn't have to struggle. She can. She doesn't have to work. She doesn't have to do nothing because she's got um, tons of money from uh, her property. Money, money talks. Right, it's pretty good. <laughs> yep. Uh, from from basically the stories that have been done by Hetty over the years. You know, there's options, there's royalties, all kinds of stuff. Tons of money, and she wants to go shopping. So shopping. she takes, you know, Jubilee and the rest of her supporting cast. And they, this shot of Jubilee as like vampire Jubilee sparking up is just the best. <laughs> yes, she is ready. She is. Does a mall baby chili fries? Yep, that's what she was thinking right yes. then. Uh, so it's and yes. Jubilee. Yes, Jubilee in a mall directing all the action. It's fantastic. It's There's true. two pages of montages of them just going and trying on clothes. There's great fashion. It's just Brittany L. Williams doing awesome stuff, making new outfits and looks for the characters. It's super fun. Uh, it's very, it's very Patsy Walker, mm-hmm. and I loved every second of it. And then boom. Something goes wrong mm. in the mall. Lights go out. It's like a wrestling match. You know, yep. lights go out. What happens? Oh, oh my no! God, it's Sabu. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if you turned the page and Sabu was there? <laughs> You're just like, Patsy Walker. Sabu has waited years <laughs> to, to take you on. Oh, it's man. the ultimate challenge. Yeah, that's our wrestling talk yep. for There today. we go. Um, uh, but we get to see that there are these two characters who look somewhat familiar mm. to those of you who have been reading the book the whole time. Uh, but they're quote-unquote vampires and it's just this great exchange um as things come together patsy is figuring it out jubilee is figuring it out there's a battle there's some uh business going on but it really revolves around like feelings yeah it's all All about about feelings feelings and it's fantastic as characters reveal themselves they reveal their intentions their feelings their loves um all kinds of things go on here and it's it's wonderful i don't want to spoil anything but it's super cute. Can you flip back for a second? Yeah. Is there a store called Goth Topic? Goth I Topic. love that. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I had to see it. It's okay. Um, but it's characters coming out. It's characters like just crying. It's characters smiling. It's mm-hmm. characters hugging. There's this great final splash page of all the like all the main characters who showed up in the book yep. and supporting characters, people who made cameos. You've got America and Kate Bishop and Squirrel Girl and Hetty and and just you know you even got uh, what is it the Pepe what is mm-hmm. it? the, the mm-hmm. little monkey yeah yeah um, and all kinds of stuff in here. It's terrific. I loved this series I'm miss this so much. Yeah, uh, I will fully miss it, and I, I urge you and encourage you, if you guys love a series, 
make sure you buy it and you tell people about it and you pre-order it if yep. you can um, because you want the comics that you love to continue on as long as they can. I'm just glad we yeah. got 17 issues That's incredible. of a such a weird su- book. Super In weird. Such a good way. Super queer, super yep. fun, super it positive, the word for amazing, it. amazing, amazing comic. Yeah, I am absolutely. very proud of this book. Very proud of that. Lasted. You know what, guys, you should do is if you haven't picked up the single issues, check out the trade. Get some action on that. Pre-order yeah. the trade paperback collecting these issues. And, you know, you, you get three know. volumes. I yeah. think we get th- yeah. three volumes of this. You never know. Maybe maybe people see those sales and they think, oh, huh, huh. You never huh. know, but you never know. Whatever. Whatever. I think we yeah. had 17 issues exactly. of one of my favorite books of the last couple Absolutely. of years. Absolutely. Uh, Rocket Raccoon number five, another final issue here. This was more of a limited run, though, so we're not as sad. But we're still sad. Sure. Uh, I still need to know, hey... Statue of Liberty. Yeah. What's the deal? What's going on? Written by our buddy Matthew Rosenberg, who's really killing it. I hope you tell him he's doing a good job. Yeah, I I told him a bunch of times. Good. And we're going to try to have him on the show um, for the launch of Secret Warriors. Good. Good. I want to have him on the show. He's he's doing tremendous work. Rocket Raccoon was one of the most fun books out there. That's that's what we're doing. We're producing fun comic books. Good for us. Good job, Nick. I did it. Uh, art by Jorge Coelho. Did you just punch Colors. yourself? I did. Okay. Why did you do that, man? I was my raised my arms in triumph. And I just, got a little excited. Just, just went wrong. I'm gonna go uh, in the corner now. Color artist by Antonio Fabella and Rain Barreto. Uh, Rocket has his final showdown with Cra. I just love this Rocket Craven the Hunter thing going on. First of all, Rocket breaks out of prison. He breaks him and his alien buddies out of a prison, uh, and he actually gets help from, of all people, Craven the Hunter, the guy who's been tormenting him. And I love that he. Uh, <laughs> Craven's van. Craven shows up with his van. Which first showed up in Squirrel Girl, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. It was definitely in Rocket Raccoon prior to this, though, because Rocket crashed it. 100%. But when Craven was in Squirrel Girl yeah. those multiple times, he had the van. He had I the van? I think the van showed up okay. first in Squirrel Girl. And I love that it's, it's continuing it's continued on. Other we'll, have to, we'll have to research that. It is but, amazing. Uh, yeah, Craven, Rocket says, didn't I crash this? Craven just goes, I have a few of them. I make a good amount of money. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great line. And then um, uh, he drops Rocket off. Rocket hooks up with the rest of the alien crew. Basically, they've got an inhuman who's going to use her powers uh, combined with technology they have to transport them up into space. Rocket is finally going to get off of Earth. He hates it here so much. Uh, He does a little uh, undercover reconnaissance by hiding in a trash can, pretending he's a raccoon eating trash. Uh, And he finds out that one of the people who he thought was his allies is maybe not on the up and up with him. He looks for a piece of technology that they need in order to get out of there. He finds it. But oh no, Craven broke him out of jail only so he could hunt him down. Like, Craven basically got him out of jail because he wanted to hunt him down himself. So Craven comes back. Rocket makes a huge sacrifice. Every line out of Rocket's mouth is gold. Every line out of Craven's mouth is gold. It's just tremendous dialogue. Um, Rocket has to make a big sacrifice, a uh, huge sacrifice for him that really, like, ties the series up in a nice little bow because all he was trying to do was leave Earth and all he... <laughs> All he finally his opportunity to leave Earth comes up and he he sacrifices it for something else. Yeah, my favorite moment mm-hmm. is in that last panel that you're looking at right yeah, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where Rocket takes a flashbang grenade and throws it in, into Craven's pants. I like that Craven's uh, briefs have hearts on them. Yeah, well, it's a nice it's a nice touch. Yeah. Nice job, Jorge Coelho. Uh, the Inhumans show up. They try to reassure Rocket. I love his thing with Johnny Storm when Johnny Storm is just being totally condescending to him. Like when Rocket says, "Don't crouch down to talk to me. It's patronizing." 
<laughs> and he just it's totally the worst um, and the last line that Rocket Raccoon says is no this planet will always suck <laughs> it's sh- it sure will Rocket yeah we'll miss you yeah for a few weeks and then he's back in a new book by Al Ewing yep <laughs> so, so we won't Rocket miss him for long on the way yeah uh, alright my third pick of the week is X-Men Blue, number two. I'm glad you picked it, man. I really like X-Men so Blue. So good. Uh, written by Colin Bunn, who I love Colin so much. Mm-hmm. I think he's doing great work. Um, but I got to say, the art by Jorge Molina and Matt Mila Killer. is maybe my favorite art we're doing now. Oh, wow. It's okay. up there. I, you know, we've talked a lot about Jorge Molina over the last mm-hmm. you know, year or two, and, and he's been stepping it up and stepping it up. But this is like... He is ne- he's like moving more and more next level. It's mm-hmm, incredible. Mm-hmm. Like this is getting to for me like Olivier Coipel wow. level High of praise. Like, yeah. beautiful and really cool. But he does this like almost manga slash anime style emotion to it. There's mm-hmm. there's times where you know like there's this panel here of Jean Grey and this little drop of sweat coming down her face yeah. and the way the she light looks like goes, she's biting her lip. It's just there's something about little it. touches. Um, it's little incredible, touches. and you've got these. So the the original five X Men uh, have costumes that were designed by Jamie McKelvey, mm. which are are you know that's Great an stuff. incredible thing to play off of. So everything looks just friggin' fantastic. Uh, the book opens up with Jean Grey having a conversation with Magneto uh, a couple months prior to where they are in the current book, where Magneto's like, "Hey, hey, look, look." Charles was right. I just I I want to do what he was doing, but I can't do it in the same way. Mm-hmm. I want to work with you. I want to help you. And she's like, "You've tried to kill us like mm-hmm. so many times, right? Us ourselves and all the X Men and the world." Yeah, I mean, as, as far as she knows, he's only tried to kill her once because they came from a time where they had just fought Magneto. Right, but she knows, like, yeah, that she knows his, his history yeah. and stuff like that. But he takes a huge step where he takes off his uh, helmet that mm-hmm. blocks tele- uh, telepathic you know entreaty into his brain mm. and uh, she reads his thoughts and that's like a stunner and she knows that he's like telling the truth but he knows she knows that there's also more to it then we flash to now and they're fighting Magneto and you're what? like what is going on of course Danger Room uh. Uh, and they get their butts kicked by Danger Room Magneto yep. but because there's only three of them where are it, it's um uh, Angel and Cyclops and Jean Grey and they're having this fight um, and I also again Jorge Molina draws mm-hmm. them like they're younger mm-hmm. like they just everything about this looks cool and then you get to see Beast and he looks awesome because he's a big dude yep. he should look like a giant dude um, he Beast is hiding some secrets in here you know he's been dabbling in magic over the past you know year or so and that is starting to get more apparent we've got Bobby having his relationship troubles uh, we've got all kinds of cool stuff they introduce Ferris a robotic butler mm. which I'm all about robots I think Ferris is uh, maybe pre-existent really? yes oh. it sounds familiar to me hmm I don't mm. know all right, still well, great though. Yeah, still, still definitely great. Um, but the kids eventually get uh, put on a mission, and they go out to deal with some sentinels, and that takes a huge swerve, mm-hmm. which I am assuming we'll see in the next issue. Mm-hmm. Um, what that really means, but then we get to see that Magneto is hiding things on multiple levels. But we don't even like the things that he's hiding. Maybe good, mm-hmm. may not be. We don't know. Maybe a bit of both. But I love it. Love it. Good this stuff. Book is great. 
Oh, great books. Let's talk about Ultimates 2, number six. I'm going to struggle on this one because this was just so beyond me. It was so good. Um, it's written by Al Ewan, art by Travel Foreman, and it starts with the origin of the first firmament. And the ideas that Al is dealing with are just so big it's almost impossible to contain on the comic book page. But the idea being that the first firmament was just the first existence. That is the beginning of all ever realities forever, ever. We see how the first firmament formed the Celestials. There were two different kinds of Celestials. Uh, they have a war that breaks the first firmament into pieces. And when he comes back together, I think it's a he, I guess it's it. It. It, because it's yeah. not a he or a she. When it comes back together, it's a multiverse. And that's where eternity comes from. So we basically see the origin of eternity. And there's nothing bigger than the origin of Eternity. Yeah. Eternity is the biggest character in the Marvel Universe. This is like the Big Bang's Big Bang. It is the Big Bang's Big Bang. Um, the One of the things that I loved about this, mm. many, many things, this would have been also one of my picks, mm -hmm. um, is the... So the first firmament and the... What are they called? The first multiverse? First multiverse, yeah. yeah. So um, as... The idea that there have been multiple multiverses, mm -hmm. like that's where we are now. It, with We're the, in the eighth one. Yeah. Is it the seventh? No, the seventh was pre-Secret Wars, and then after Secret Got Wars, it. the eighth one formed. Right. So Secret Wars giving us a new eternity, a new multiverse. Mm -hmm. But like in here, we get to see different versions of eternity and yeah, different, looking different looks of it. Yeah. Like I think, to me, that was one of the coolest things. It's like eternity has evolved over time and then right. i'm trying to wrap my head around well wait if there was a different universe what did it go the same way are there so there are celestials mm -hmm. there's an eternity where there are versions of these stories and these characters that are like it's my crazy, mind man. is starting it, to it like gives you so much to it. think about and the beauty of it is the first firmament is pissed pissed that eternity took its place uh never wanted the multiverse to exist it's finally clawed its way back into existence like it was in a void and it crawled back purely as it says it says i had hate hate is the fuel that brought this back they have uh the first firmament chains up eternity reaches out to characters uh that have been shown in this book so far this is what i really like is they show the uh, battle that happened during Civil War II that was never really explained. Yeah, just like the inciting yeah, incident. the inciting incident that was just kind of like nothing. We find out the first firmament was behind that. And this is like, what greater villain can you have than all that is? I mean, this is like, if Eternity was a villain of a story, but bigger. So it's huge. How do you fight reality? Yeah, it's not even, like, the, I, I remember often uh, they've said that the Galactus trilogy, the original Galactus trilogy, was kind of lee and kirby's take on the fantastic four versus god like what if an angry god came to earth and wanted to destroy everything so that's what galactus is this is like three levels up from that yeah it's crazy uh and speaking of galactus oh my god travel foreman draws this like almost zombie-esque galactus that uh the Just first room has created yelling about hunger because he's been corrupted terrifying we've got um rod stow who's uh one of the troubleshooters we have the ultimates and the troubleshooters teaming up which is great uh we get adam blue marvel and monica rambo spectrum forming an awesome team. So I watch. Yeah, please. I watch Dragon Ball. I'm sure you, you've watched Dragon Ball. Oh, yeah. I'm watching sense. Dragon Ball Super right now. I watched a lot mm -hmm. when I was sick, uh, mm -hmm. like two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, 
But what I love in Dragon Ball is this thing where they fuse characters together. Okay, yep, they do yep. this little dance and they fusion, fusion. and like they <laughs> they take two characters and they form into one version that's more powerful yes. that combines both of them. And so I couldn't help but think about that when I was when this part when Blue Marvel and Monica Rambo and Spectrum when they fuse together, mm-hmm. it was the coolest. And then they do this move that's like yep. a Dragon Ball move. Yep. I was so excited. This the is thing the I dig is it's such a cool idea to merge these two characters and it's so neat visually to see them merged. Yeah. And this was like one of the smallest things in the issue. Yeah. You could this is like three panels. Tons Just, of that. And it's crazy. The, the cool part is like um, Blue Marvel's like pure power, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's pure power. He's super smart, but he's got all this power. And he's they, he fuses with Monica and he's like, all right, you're the master strategist. Yep. I'm, Ta- take, take the, the wheel. Lead. Take the wheel. I will fuel, you know, like whatever yeah, you, you do, what you got to do. It's just a cool, freaking awesome. So book. you really get to see the ultimates cut loose. Then we get some background from uh, the troubleshooters about Emmett Proudhawk. And this is going to the new universe stuff. Yeah. So this is crazy too. Basically, there was a military unit of low level psychics. Uh, they got destroyed by this horrific demon. Um, Emmett Proudhawk stuck around as the Psyhawk. He's this great, like, weapon incarnate uh the troubleshooters summit him uh, and basically uh, uh jim tenzin who's the main troubleshooter is just like emmett please we need you he comes and he just tears apart rod Stow. uh we get connor sims anti-man uh sacrificing himself what a great moment oh. like another it's another one of these it's like if i read a comic that just had the Blue Marvel Spectrum thing, or just had the Anti-Man Galactus thing, and that was the only like high spot of the issue, I would be like, what a great issue. This has all of this together, plus the big stuff we were talking about before. Galactus becomes the life bringer again. Uh, he has, he, he basically, him and Proudhawk decide what to do with Rod Stout. I love, ultimately, what Galactus decides oh gosh, to do with it. So uh, and then, at the end, we have America Chavez just laying it down, saying, alright, listen up, Ultimates. We are back together. We're a team. Because they've been having trouble ever since Civil War II. They've been broken up. Yep. There was a question whether they could work together. And basically, says, okay, listen up. She's take charge. She's unquestionably the leader of the team. She's like, we got trouble. We have the first firmament out there. We know this now. We got to go deal with it. And then it's just boom, cliffhanger. That's out there. Yeah, and beautiful, beautiful comic. Game. And she's like, you, everybody, get out there, learn, figure out what's going on, get stronger. It's like she's like, I'm oh, and going. She, and she says, I'm going to school. Yeah, I she's like, I got sister. this to do. I have yeah. to figure out some stuff. You got to figure out. Such a great book. <sighs> great. Man. Ultimates is amazing. That was probably my favorite issue of Ultimates. I would agree. That, that so book good. is next level. Next level. Next yeah. level is the I other really, really hope. It. Like, new, uh, free comic book day is coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe check your local comic shop if you've not read Ultimate Squared yeah, yet. Absolutely. Definitely see if they have what copies. This is only like six, six issues deep. Yeah. So you can read it. You can. Uh, the trade's not out yet, but no. you should like pick up the first couple yep. issues if and you can. order the trade. Yeah. It's. It's really, it's good. really good. It's one of the best. Really, really good, and it's beautiful, and yep. it's weird, and it is exactly what I want. It's good. It's good stuff. All right, let's check out quick hits for the other stuff we have coming out this week. Starting with Ben Riley, Scarlet Spider number one, written by Peter David, pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by John Dell, colors by Jason Jason Keith. Uh, ben Riley is reestablishing himself. He's he's crazy. Let's just put it that way. Um, he has uh, some. 
um, some issues. Yeah, he has some serious issues. He's got a new costume, which is pretty badass. Although Harry Go questioned why he has a hood when he already has a full mask covering his head. Because it looks awesome. That's what I told him. Thank you for backing me up on that. Uh, well, also, also we find out so. in here his costume is something he stole from a cosplay. Ah, uh, true, yes. And, so, like, it's... He's, he's even like, why would someone make up their own Spider-Man costume? Yeah. Whatever, I stole it, now yeah, it's mine. now it's mine. Now it's in the Scarlet <laughs> Spider costume. He's in Vegas, which I love, because he's in New York, New York, which is a casino that I dig. Um, <laughs> and he's finding his way in Vegas. He does some good. He helps out a lady getting mugged, but he is not... He's not good. He's not a good guy. He is not a good guy. He's person. not a good guy. Kane is still in the mix. Yes, uh, which makes me happy. Which is wonderful. Ben Riley is seeing visions of a, the old Scarlet Spider, seeing visions of Kane. He's looking for a woman that he did a favor for once upon a time. Uh, he has this weird adoptive aunt moment, which mm. was creepy as all get out. Yeah. Uh, he Again, it's like... Ben Riley's not seeking to do good, but if some bad stuff comes his way, he's like, all right, I'll deal with it. Yeah. It's kind of in my way. I gotta, get, like, it of, I gotta uh, get it out of the way. People could get shot. Yeah. That's not good. Mm, that's mean, not what I want. You know, I've got yeah. my own stuff going on, but I yeah. don't want that to happen. And then he, uh, like I said, comes to confront this woman who he did a favor for, and she's not happy with him. Yeah. No. All right, we've got uh, Darth Maul, uh, Star Wars book for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, issue number three, written by Colin Bunn, art by uh, the amazing Luke Ross, colors by Nolan Woodard. Uh, and we've got Darth Maul uh, with his group of bounty hunters, include Cad Bane and Aura Singh, uh, trying to either purchase, purchase or kidnap a Padawan who is at an auction. Um, Going to be auctioned off to a bunch of no good nicks in, in this galaxy. Uh, so Darth Maul's like, ah, I need this. Padawan, because I want to kill her. Oh, I'm so angry. He's so he's an angry guy. He's so, so angry. Yeah, I don't know. Um, his deal is. It's cool because you know, I don't. I've not watched any of the cartoons or anything where Darth Maul's shown up. So seeing him here gives me like so much more of this character that I've always wanted more from. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, it's cool. He goes and does one thing, and you know, there's swerves and crisscrosses and all kinds of fun stuff. Great cast of characters, and um, the hunter may soon be. The Hunt Dead. Oh, you did it. Deadpool versus The Punisher, number two, written by Fred Van Lente, art by Perry Perez, colors by Ruth Redman. Uh, We end our last issue with Punisher shooting Deadpool in the face. So we pick up with them teaming up. And now Punisher is taking Deadpool on the road with him. Uh, This new character, The Bank, is central to everything that's going on. We thought his wife and kid got killed in the last issue. We learned something about that in this issue. Punisher is tracking people down. We got these great bad guys who I I don't know. I mean, we've seen them. Did we see them in the previous issue of Deadpool versus Punisher? Yeah, they. But there's history. History. Yeah, there's history with with Deadpool. They're pretty good. They're pretty cool. They're dressed up like Day of the Dead people, and uh, they have a fight with Punisher. Deadpool comes in yelling "Land boat!" as he crashes a boat on to the ground. Deadpool is great here. Uh, Punisher shoots a bunch of people. The bank shoots someone as well. Deadpool, uh, we, we get to see like a good side Deadpool. This is Uncle Deadpool. This is, he's, there's this kid he loves and the uh, woman who he has great affection for, so he's trying to help them out. But of course, these, this issue... <laughs> It ends the exact same way as the last issue with Punisher shooting Deadpool in the head. Yep. And Punisher going, all right, let's try this one more time. Yep. All right, on to Electra number three, written by uh, Matt Owens, art by 
Juan Cabal and colors by Antonio Favela and Jordan Boyd. Uh, this I love this book. I think it's a gorgeous book. Mm -hmm. It's super fun. Electra is trapped inside one of Arcade's murder worlds. Um, it's twisted as murder world usually is uh she's got some stuff that she's trying to work out in her head as well as trying to stay alive with a bunch of people who are basically killing everyone she's near yeah. there's some real intense violence in this issue mm -hmm. uh there's this one splash page mm, that i'm looking at right now so good holy moly it is it gorgeous uh art yeah again the art is really beautiful in here uh electra is up against major odds uh in murder world and she's like, she keeps getting uh, more things put against her. Arcade is completely stacking, against again, stacking the deck against her. Uh, she's got to go up against uh, Screwball. Love the use of Screwball. Hell yeah. Underutilized villain. And normally you'd think, oh, Screwball versus Electro. Electro will yeah, just be pretty stab easy. her. Yeah. But there's there's a way for this to uh, really be quite dangerous for yeah, Electro. I'm, I'm really enjoying this book. Good book. Great Lakes Avengers number seven, the final issue of this series, written by Zach Gorman, art by Will Robson. We've got Big Bertha in a titanic tussle, a colossal jostle, if you will, with this mad scientist <laughs> who has uh, taken some of her DNA and has used it to make himself and others into these big creatures. Uh, we've got Doorman, we've got Mr. Immortal, we've got Flatman, basically just using their powers in cool, creative ways. Good Boy is still here, Ryan. I know you love Good Boy. Uh, Good Boy is a great new character. The art on this, um, from from Will Robson is really fun. It's just bouncy it's, and, and it's so gross. There's yeah, just it's, like it's there's gross parts to bleh. it. But this guy so then they come up with this maneuver, maneuver thirty three, which involves every member of the team teaming up to get Mr. Immortal inside of this uh, giant mutated guy and Mr. Immortal basically fights him from the inside. We get some flashbacks, some fun stuff with Doorman. The, uh, it's a big win for the Great Lakes Avengers, followed by a huge loss because Deadpool <laughs> shows up and uh, has some bad news for everyone and it ends just... <laughs> Just ends on a quiet note, just yeah. a weird note. Yeah. So very bizarre. Yep. All right. Uh, Hulk number five, written by Mariko Tamaki, art by Nico Leone, colors by Matt Mila and Andrew Crossley. Uh, this we get to see a little bit of how Jen was feeling when she first got out of her coma, when she first started to find out about what's going on with her, with Bruce, with the world, um, where you know people are trying to tell her everything's going to be okay. We see her like hulk out a little bit in the past and then flash back to where she is now where she's trying to figure out what's going on with Macy Brune and the weird apartment building and the monsters and the uh, just the whole situation that's going on. Things are spinning out of control. She's doing her best to keep control but uh, she's on the edge and there's a there's just lines of dialogue in here and it's just like everything's not okay. I'm not okay. No one is okay. Mm -hmm. And we know that it's like this is like a great tension building series. I friggin' love this book. Yeah, good stuff. Infamous Iron Man number seven, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Alex Maleev, colors by Matt Hollingsworth. Uh, the Wizard and the Hood have gathered up a bunch of villains, and their goal is, we gotta, they're at a place called Herbie's, which is wonderful, um, and they're like, look, Doctor Doom has gone good, we gotta figure out what we're doing, and then just as Hood is making his umpteenth big pitch to form a supervillain team, because that's kind of what he does, uh, Doctor Doom in his Iron Man armor crashes, takes out all the villains. Uh, we have simultaneously going on 
I love yep. the the wrecker in here. He's yeah. like, he kills them. He kills them yeah. all. They're yeah. all dead. <laughs> They're all dead. <laughs> we flash forward to the thing and Sharon Carter. Uh, yeah, doing basically an interrogation on the wrecker who says the things that you just said. Yeah, he's like, doom. He just killed them all. Yeah, it's <laughs> so good. And things like. You're cra- what? Yeah. No, they're all downstairs. They're all being They're held. all fine. They're Everyone's all, they're fine. They're all messed up, Don't but they're, worry about they're alive. It. Chill out. Doom basically warns him and just says his... Uh Doom just says, like, the thing I don't like about you guys is, like, you have no purpose. You serve no purpose. You're a waste. To change your ways. I've changed my ways. Doom's approach to heroics is just phenomenal. Uh, it's, it's the thing. It's like, what, do you ha- what happens when the most dangerous villain in the world mm-hmm. decides to be good. Yeah. And like how that happens. Because I, I love those stories, right? It's yeah. like what happens when the greatest superhero turns, turns evil. Bad. You yeah. know, it's like those kinds of stories are so fun. Yeah. And then Ben Grimm goes back to his Manhattan apartment. Dr. Doom is waiting for him. Uh, they have a conversation and it's great. They talk about not just why Doom's doing what he's doing, but also about how Doom basically says to uh, Ben, he goes, I miss Reed and Sue. Ben goes, you don't say their names. And Doom kind of waxes poetic about their relationship. Um, And basically he just, uh, Doom lays it out. He says, I think I can do good if you'll let me do good. Thing says, I'm still a little skeptical. You know, we've been fighting for years, all that. And then someone else shows up to talk to Ben Grimm. It's a total... I, I, I'm excited for this. Yeah. So good. I love that book. All right, we've got Mighty Captain Marvel number four. Wrapping up the first storyline, written by Margaret Stoll. Uh, art by Brent Schoonover, Rose Stein, Ted Brandt, and Marco, uh, Michael Garland. Uh, we've got... You know, Carol recouping from the injuries she's faced. She's, you know, trying to save Bean, uh, who's the little Cree kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got great little team-up business here with uh, Spider-Woman and Black Widow here. <laughs> this is a great yeah. moment where Carol is in, a like, a hospital gurney, mm-hmm. like, on a bed, strapped down. So, you know, like, she doesn't – her powers are a little out of control. Uh, and – she wakes up and she shoots upright because you know she can fly yep. and the bed goes with her it's just there's a bunch of great moments in here margaret i love her her take on carol it's really great uh but finally carol is starting to pinpoint who is messing with her uh she's facing another version of herself there's a big bed here there's messed up stuff happening to cree kids um carol has a big win thankfully in this mm-hmm. issue although there are some some losses some consequences and there's also the to be continued aspect of it. Oh, no. Yes. To be continued. All right. Man Thing number three, written by R.L. Stein, art by German Peralta, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Man Thing is back in the swamp. He does not understand why he has lost his ability to talk, but there's this scientist, Lillian Millard, who's been captured by twin giant pythons and being dragged away. Man Thing goes, oh, wait, I know Lillian. She's a brilliant scientist. She might be able to help me turn human again. He goes through the swamp. He fights a zombie skeleton. He fights more zombie skeletons. He thinks about stuff. He goes in the nexus of all realities and just has a really trippy, great two-page journey drawn by German Peralta. Um, a weird young lady appears before him. He's in some sort of arena. He's got to fight this big creature. Everything is just weird because Nexus of all realities, bro. And he's trying to feel. <laughs> he's trying to free this character, Old Father, who he thinks can uh, help him out. He really just wants to. It, it's. It's. I like the idea of Man Thing. It's just this kind of like put upon, like, ugh. 
this. I have to do this. I just want to talk and like he just wanted to be in Hollywood and be a star. Then we have a backup story called Like a Horror Movie by R.L. Stein and Kate Nimzik from uh, Mockingbird. Oh, yeah. Published by Rochelle Rosenberg. Um, and it's a man and his wife uh, arguing a broken down car and a big twist that I'm not going to spoil. Yeah. All right. Uh, Occupy Avengers number six, written by David F. Walker, art by Gabriel Hernandez Volta, and colors by Jordi Belair. Uh, we get to see the the conversation that got Wheels to being in this book, mm-hmm. uh, which is great. Where he was at the time, he's playing some video games, just hanging out in the Bronx in his home. Uh, we get to see Dunson, Iowa, where the the scroll town is being like people are being murdered. These scrolls who just want to live their lives, just want to live their they lives. don't want to do anything bad. But no, they're good people. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, I mean, they they're scrolls, but they're good scrolls. Like, so what we talked so, about, as far as we know, what we talked about with the uh, the Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy book, there's like people who don't believe all the, you know, like the scrolls during Secret Invasion and the ones who really like came to you know prominence in the last like mm-hmm. decade or so were like religious, like fervent. You know, trying to push their right. beliefs and, and spread and take over. They believe themselves to be the superior culture and everything, and they they were very uh, driven by the, their their religion and, and mm-hmm. a bunch of ideals. Um, but there are people who don't believe that, who just right. want to live peacefully, who right. don't want to spread you know their doctrine to anyone else. And so we see some of those broke out in that Guardians of the Galaxy story. Some of them are here trying to live their lives on Earth and just be regular people um but unfortunately there's this group in occupy avengers who's trying to murder them mm. and they're doing a great job of it we get to see a fine job a fine job <laughs> uh you get great moments with red wolf and uh nightshade just being awesome where uh at the same time uh hawkeye's just like this is terrible yeah why does this, he, i think at one point he says why does this always happen to me he's yeah. very charlie brown in here it's great um but Hawkeye's Wheels is also, he's like hanging out in their, their special van, and we learn that, we start to get a sense of just how special this S.H.I.E.L.D. van is mm-hmm. in here, which I'm very excited to see how that mm-hmm. takes off in the next couple issues. But we do find out what this group of Skrull killers is, who they are, and what they're all about, which I thought was a cool twist. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, also nice, we got Mighty Thor, number 18, written by Jason Aaron, art by Russell Downerman. Colors by Matthew Wilson. This is part four of the Asgard Shi'ar War. This was almost one of my picks. This was almost one of my picks, too. We start with Kid Omega, Quentin Quire, hanging out on Krakoa. I like, give me more Krakoa, please. Forgot about this. He's just been hanging out since he left the uh, Jean Grey school. Just so bored. Just uh, nothing to do. So we have Thor, Warbird, and Kid Gladiator approach him and say, like, look, we're dealing with the Shi'ar. Their gods are jerks. We need your help. It's something to do with the Phoenix. And Quentin at first is like, I want nothing to do with anything. Yeah, you guys I don't suck. Care. You guys suck. Everyone <laughs> sucks. Um, but here's Phoenix, and that piques his interest because he has a very complex relationship with the Phoenix. I'm glad we're doing that book next so yeah. we can talk more about it. Uh, hours earlier, it's all the Asgardians against the Shi'ar gods. It's some great fighting stuff going on. We got Shadrach, uh, God of Peace and Persimmons, and all the other stuff that he talks about. He declares Thor the winner of this battle. That ticks off the gods but some um, and I just I love the way Russell Dutterman draws Everything? Sith 
and Cull everything. and Thor and yeah everything everything um, and so the gods of the Shi'ar they're like no here's why we don't lose because we unleash a phoenix and uh, it's like like in a Final Fantasy game it's their ultimate summons and yeah. they're just like eh, yeah. night to the round yeah whatever nerds nine, 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 nine. Um, yeah what when, when that's video gaming yeah um, forget you, it man get out of here man you lost me you get out of here <laughs> <laughs> and so then uh, we come full circle to the summon of Quentin Choir Quentin and Thor come sailing in on a Viking ship into the middle of space and they are going to take on the Phoenix and it's going to be awesome yeah alright so you wanted some Phoenix you got yeah, more a, Phoenix a double dose of Phoenix this week now we go to Thanos uh, issue number six written by Jeff Lemire art by Mike Diodato Jr. and Frank Martin um, so we've got two stories happening here we've got Thanos who is broken out of his uh, his prison he's killed the warden and now he's got a fight just everyone who's left and it's just he's dying but he's also still Thanos so he's going to murder everyone he can uh, at the same time we see that uh, Thane and his group uh, he's got like his little you know his team their Ocean's Eleven type team mm-hmm. where they're going to steal this thing that um, Terax has yep. um, is it Terax? Terax yeah yeah uh, Terex has uh, it turns out to be a phoenix egg that hasn't hatched yet Terex hasn't figured out how to get it's it to just hatch phoenix is all over the place yeah. man um, but we get to see Thane and Death and Nebula and uh, Star Fox and the champion uh, figuring it out and then boom Thane gets killed yep he is see you later Thane he is shot and murdered by Nebula and you're like what's going on uh, but what happens is crazy stuff and it brings these two together the phoenix makes a major move here uh thane makes a huge play i thought thane was just shot dead oh <laughs> but you'll have to read and find out yeah i did uh it is it is awesome uh thane making a major play and thanos maybe depowered mike teodato's art knocked me back oh my gosh a bit with this book um the size yeah like he does something with like size and and weight and mass mm-hmm. of of people like the way he draws Thanos his yeah. hands are, and he's so wide there's a splash page with it just Thanos amidst the destruction he just wreaked and it blew my mind yeah it's it incredible it physically made me wonder yep. about life and things old man logan number 22 written by jeff lemire art by eric nguyen colors by andres mosa this is part two of the four-part past lives we've got logan traveling through time getting himself into the bodies of his past selves in this case we get to see him take on the hulk and wendigo like he did way back in the day beautiful art here really intense stuff then he gets transported to the time of dark phoenix where he does not want to be at all because he knows he cannot save gene gray he gets taken to japan in his awesome brown and tan uniform fights a bunch of ninjas kisses mariko then goes on his way again and whoop he ends up in madripoor so we're getting all the greatest hits of wolverine in old man logan yeah all right we've got x-men gold number two written by mark guggenheim art by arnian siaf uh jay Lyston, and frank martin uh we've got Logan and the uh, the rest of the X-Men Gold team versus this new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, uh, which is a whole bunch. It's like the only one that they, they know two of them, right? Mm-hmm. They know Magma, Magma and Mask. Mask, M-A-S-Q-U-E. Yep. Uh, classic. Classy Mask. Uh, <laughs> new versions guy. of Avalanche and Pyro and some weird lizard dude, yep. demon lizard dude. Uh, but it's, it's cool. The X-Men kind of get their butts kicked. Wolverine gets captured, but Wolverine is, or Old Man Logan is 
awesome yeah. in this. Yeah. There is this crazy bit where we do get to see that they also have Mesmero on their team. Yeah. And I think he's the leader of the team. And he's, you know, like... As he should be, man. Yeah. Mesmero is a classic villain. It's his time, baby. Yeah. You do you, Mesmero. He's got a cape. Yeah. That means he's... It means business. It means super business. Yeah. Uh, it's dope. Um, we get to see, you know, like crazy stuff. There's this person killing mutants mm-hmm. um, down in the Lower East Side. Looks something like the... Uh Executioner. Yeah. Not the executioner. The executioner. Yeah. I love the original executioner design. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. This is a nice little follow up on it. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, and then we get to see Wolverine, Old Man Logan doing what he does best. Uh, and He is the best he is at what he does. He is. It's not he very is. nice. Uh, concluding for this week, more Old Man Logan. Three times the Old Man Logan in Weapon X. Uh, number two, written by Greg Pak, pencils by Greg Land, inks by Jay Lyston. We've got Warpath on his reservation in San Francisco. I gotta say, Peaks. This Arizona. is like dope. Like, it, who doesn't love Warpath? But it feels yeah. like we haven't gotten a lot of them, we especially haven't. in the last couple of years. No, not at all. But like, even you know, like this is just. I would love tons more Warpath. Warpath's great. Um, very unique cool addition to this Weapon X mythos to have him as part of it. The Weapon X people come after him. Uh, the horses that he was hanging out with turn into gross monster robots. That always happens. And start fighting him. We get to see the people who are running Weapon X, and it's not necessarily like the shady scientist types you're used to. It's actually some uh, some slacker kid types. Um, who are Just regular with, working yeah. gyms and, yep. and Pete's and yep. Joe's. And whatever. Uh, then we've got we flash back to Old Man Logan and Sabretooth fighting against more robots. Plenty of violence if you like that kind of thing in sure. this issue. Uh, plenty of blood, plenty of metal being sprayed all over the place. Smelling, a lot of smelling a lot going of, on. A lot of sense tracing. Uh, and so what we got is Weapon X is after all these characters. They're after Warpath, they're after Domino. They may have caught one of their qu- one of their uh, quarry. Is that right? Mm, maybe. Maybe. I don't I know, I think man. of a rock quarry. Yeah. They, uh, they caught one of the people they're after. They're still after the rest. Domino's going to come in in a big way next issue. Great mix of characters. Great mix of talent. Yeah. All right. Comics. Whew. Comics, y'all. And uh, that is all we got for single issues. But for collections on sale this week, we've got Avengers Epic Collection Volume 3, Masters of Evil, Black Widow Volume 2, No More Secrets, Captain America Volume 2, Marvel Knights, Carnage Volume 3, What Dwells Beneath, Dark Tower, The Drawing of Three, The Sailor. Dead, it's the sailor. I was just pronouncing it with a Boston accent. Um, Deadpool and the Mercs for Money, Volume 2, IVX. Deadpool, World's Greatest, Volume 6, Patience Zero. Mosaic, Volume 1, King of the World. That's a good book. Check it out. Uh, Secret Empire Prelude and X-Men Origins Firestar. Yeah. Digital comics on sale this week, uh, what we already talked about, as well as uh, some older books, including Fantastic Five, 1 through Mm. 5 from 1999. Hulk, Wolverine, 6 Hours, 1 through 4. New Universal, 1 through 6, which is dope. Uh, Warren Ellis and Salvador LaRocca, I believe, re-envisioning of the new universe. Yeah, I know Steve Kurth was in there, but that might have been a sequel. Gotcha. Uh, But that's really cool. And Spider-Girl, issues 50 through 74. Uh, Digital collections on sale this week, we've got Avengers Epic Collection, Masters of Evil, Black Widow, Volume 2, No More Secrets, Captain America, Marvel Knights, Volume 2, Carnage, Volume 3, What Dwells Beneath, Mm. Deadpool and the Mercs for Money, Volume 2, IVX, Deadpool, World's Greatest, Volume 6, Patience, Zero. That's a lot of stuff going on there. Mm -hmm. Fantastic Mm -hmm. Four, Foes. 
Gen X, Ghost Rider, Danny Ketch, Addict, Mosaic, Volume 1, King of the World, Secret Empire, Prelude, Spider Girl, Volume 5, Endgame, Spider Girl, Volume 6, Too Many Spiders, and X Men Origins, Firestar. Freshly digitized on the Marvel Unlimited app, we've got A-Force number 10, All-New X-Men number 14, Amazing Spider-Man number 20, Astonishing Ant-Man number 13, Black Panther number 7, Black Widow number 7, Captain America, Sam Wilson number 14, Carnage number 13, Civil War 2, Kingpin number 4, Deadpool Back in Black number 2, Deadpool Too Soon, Infinite Comic number 8, Death of X number 2, Doctor Strange number 13, Free Comic Book Day 2016, Civil War 2 number 1, Infamous Iron Man number 1. Mighty Thor number 12, Mockingbird number 8, Patsy Walker aka Hellcat number 11, Silk number 13, Slapstick Infinite Comic number 1, Spider Gwen number 13, Spider Woman number 12, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl number 13, Uncanny and Humans number 14, from the 1991 volume of X-Force. We've got issues 30 and 31, 47, 56, 67 through 70, 99, and 101. X-Men 92 number 8. Some classic X-Men miniseries. We've got X-Men Alpha Flight from 1985, 1 and 2. X-Men Clandestine from 1996, 1 and 2. X-Men vs. The Avengers, the original from 1987, number 1 through 4. And X-Men vs. Brood from 1996, number 1 through 2. Wowzers. Yes, sir. All right, let's go talk to Tom Brevoort, Alana Smith, and Will Moss for some news. And now, from Marvel Headquarters, it's This Week in Marvel News. Okay, everybody, welcome to the news section of This Week in Marvel, the podcast. Uh, I am Ben Morse, of course, and hey, that rhymed. Cool. Uh, (laughs) I've got with me one of the best editors at Marvel, one of my favorite editors, one of my favorite people, and that would be Will Moss. thank you, thank you. That kept getting grander and grander to favorite people. I'm honored. Well, I love talking to you. I'm glad you're you're able to come by. Will, you work on some of the best books we're putting out, whether it's Mighty Thor, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, just I, I named those two to show kind of your range yeah, sure. of everything you cover. Yeah. Um, and you're also kind of in charge of all things in humans, correct? Correct. So we announced at C2E2 this past weekend a new series called Inhumans the Once and Future King. Uh-huh. And Kings. Kings. Once uh-huh. and Future Kings. Uh-huh. What can you tell us about this project and what it's going to bring to the Marvel Universe? Uh, sure. Well, uh, I'll, I'll lead with the creative team. I'm real excited about mm-hmm. who we got in the book for that. Uh, uh, Christopher Priest uh, is going to be writing the book. And cool. for those who don't know, Priest is just, he's one of the greats. He's one of the, the living legends, as the term goes. I mean, he's, uh, he wrote a like seminal run of Black Panther in yeah. the 90s. He's been writing a, a terrific uh, book uh, called Deathstroke for our <laughs> distinguished competition. Yeah. Uh, and he's just—he's somebody that I've always loved and admired. So uh, he's going to be writing this, and um, and and another great that I've always wanted to work with is Phil Noto. He's going to be drawing this, uh, and Phil just has a style like nobody else. Uh, and, and the two of them, I think, are just going to be telling a really cool story about kind of the early days of the royal family of the Inhumans. Mm-hmm. Uh, this book's going to be focusing on Black Bolt and Medusa and Maximus, Black Bolt's brother, and it'll kind of be like. Uh, Black Bolt uh, right before he kind of became king and and when he and Medusa were first uh, starting their relationship and before Maximus uh, became Maximus the Mad. So we'll start off the book at least where Maximus and Black Bolt are actually um, uh, have a healthy brotherly relationship as opposed to everything we've ever seen since. So yeah, it should be uh, it's going to be a really cool look. 
at, at a period that we haven't really seen in, no, in a no, modern no. light in a long time. So, yeah. yeah. Now, Priest to me is a huge get. The same yeah. way you saw him as a huge get. Um, yeah. He, like you said, probably maybe the greatest Black Panther writer of all time. Um, many other seminal runs on other books. How do you even go about pitching to a guy like that to come and do an Inhumans book for us? It was it was pretty easy. Yeah, uh, you know, just, <laughs> that's what I like to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just just spend some time brainstorming who, who would be interesting to see handle this. You know, this world where it's a complex political familial setup but more than anything we we want the inhumans to be uh relatable so mm-hmm. i also needed somebody who i think could handle that aspect of it uh and 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 really it was a it was just an email to priest uh to it was a kind of an out of the blue request or, or, mm-hmm. or inquiry and he was he said sure like it was a really easy thing yeah. and and i remember one of the first things in, in the email conversation we were having he was saying that i just need to i want to be up front that if I do this, there's going to be humor. And, <laughs> and Priest is, you know, easily one Very of the funniest funny. writers yeah, yeah, yeah. that work For in sure. comics. And, and I told him, I replied back, I said, I am not going to uh, offer Christopher Priest a gig and, yeah. and, and not want it to be funny. I was like, yeah. that, that's part of what I thought of him for. It was just that he'll yeah, have sure. a nice way to I mean, make these characters. he made Black Panther funny. Yeah, yeah, Black right. Panther's not one you think of as, you know, yeah. laugh out loud. Yeah, yeah. But, but he like, found a way. He was still the stoic, yep. cool, Batman-esque character that he's right. always been. But right, yeah, he was funny. And he's going to do the same here. Right. So... So, is this going to be dealing? Is it going to be like tying into stories we've already seen in the past? Is it going to be building completely new? Is it going to be some combination of the two? Yeah, it'll be a, a combination of the two. Like, we're not going to like our our kind of rule is to not contradict anything, mm-hmm. but to also not have it, us be. Uh, handcuffed to anything because we want this to be something that anybody uh, can pick up. Anybody who's a long and long time Inhumans fan, or somebody who's just you know hearing about the TV show or or any of the the recent Marvel pushes for the new launches, and 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 just be able to get this cold. So yeah. I mean, this is it's a it, it deals with some of the stuff from from past appearances by the team, but it's very much uh, its own story, a clean story. And what itch do you think this is scratching? Like, what's the? Why do we need to have this book of all the inhuman stuff we got going on? Well, uh, I mean, we're the evolution of the characters in the in most recent years uh, has taken to a lot of interesting places, uh, but it's also kind of uh, kind of they're so far along on their new trajectories that this book is going to kind of be a place for um, uh, classics, not a great word when mm. you're trying to sell a new product but That's it's, it's right. kind of like the, the this is to scratch that itch of when people think of the royal family the Inhumans right. like now they're all kind of scattered to the wind sure. and Royal's book they're out uh, exploring space but Karnak's still back on Earth and mm. Black Bolt is in his own series trapped in a prison hmm. um, and, and so they're all kind of doing new cool stuff but this is a book where we can just kind of boil down to that, that great family drama that is at the kind of the heart of the royal family if anyone's on the fence on Inhumans, Once in Future Kings, what is your final pitch to get them to get this book? Well, I'd also then uh, that we're doing a each issue is going to have a two page lockjaw backup. Nice by uh, uh, Ryan North, uh, yeah. the writer of the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, and uh, Gustavo Duarte, who's mm-hmm. a super great, talented artist. And the two of them are just going to have it's like a it's like a fun little chaser at the end mm-hmm. of each issue. Um, uh, so that that's my final uh, nudge to get anybody over the nice. edge to pick this up. Cool. Thank you so much, Will. Sure, sure.
More news, guys. We've got our dynamic duo of This Week in Marvel, our, uh, our favorite guests, <laughs> and that is Tom Brevoort and Alana Smith back again. Second consecutive week, I believe. Yes, yes. It's, a, it's a record. Yeah, <laughs> we've never had uh, such consistency. I've never shipped anything two weeks in a row. <laughs> <laughs> Big thing we announced at C2E2 this past weekend, we announced Marvel Legacy. Now, can you guys explain kind of what details obviously we haven't put all the details out there yet but what details have we disseminated already Ooh, i'm not sure well i guess <laughs> are you talking about the one shot i think we're talking about both the one shot and the larger initiative right okay well the the you know the larger initiative is uh a hearkening back to uh the elements that make marvel marvel uh, you know, uh, return to sort of the the aspects of Marvel that people remember and love, and uh, you know, steering into our long history and uh, you know all of the things that uh, have come before, uh, as well as the stuff that's here now. Um, and the the one shot is where it kicks off in. Uh, I don't know if we actually said what month. In October, I'll say. I'll say. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. All right. Oh my god! <laughs> um, you know. Now you have to get it out in October. Yes, I know. <laughs> you've you've done that to yourself. Uh, you are your own worst enemy, Tom. It was, it was a mistake. I regret it already. <laughs> um, which is, uh, you know, it's a it's a single kickoff one shot, fifty pages by Jason Aaron and Assad Ribic. Mm. Uh, and Quite it's, a team. Uh, yeah, it's very, uh, it's very nice. They they did Thor. I don't know if they you knew this. Thor, God of Thunder. They did Thor. They worked together they were, on Thor. They were real good. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All those, made all some, those made some good comics. All those they years still ago. Do. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever happened to those guys? <laughs> um, but it's it's uh, fifty pages. It uh, cuts across the Marvel universe, and uh, we have jam packed it full of. Uh, mysteries and reveals and surprises and twists and resurrections and uh, just just everything. It's mm. it's uh, uh, and and it's it's sort of a springboard that that launches stories in you know dozens of books that we'll have coming out afterwards. So uh, it really sets the stage for. Uh, what the Marvel Universe is going to be like, uh, you know, moving ahead into this legacy period. Mm. Yeah, and I uh, think on top of, you know, setting up a bunch <coughs> of pieces, like, it's also just going to be a good self-contained story because mm. Jason Aaron is super good. <laughs> uh, so so he's, he's writing a really interesting story that's, you know, worth picking up beyond just seeing you know, hints of where we're going in the next few months, so. Now, Lana, Tom talked a little bit about, like, kind of how this initiative is getting back to what Marvel's known for, and you're, you're, you've been here a little while now, but you're yeah. still relatively new. Mm-hmm. What's it like to get to work on stuff like that? Uh, it's, it's pretty exciting, because I, I came in um, after a lot of the, you know, classic characters had been succeeded by legacy characters like Jane Foster was already active when I got here uh Sam Wilson was already active when I got here you know so those characters for me working here like that is my Thor Mm -hmm. that is my Captain America um and so I I think what we're doing here will be a really great way for us to honor those characters while also honoring you know the characters that people grew up with and that people know out in the world um you know we don't want to leave anyone out in the cold Mm -hmm. in terms of because we know people are invested in all kinds of different characters like i have proof of that myself because i'm very invested in the newer people because they were new when i was new right uh 
but but you know there's 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 so much value and interest in our classic characters that that we want to make sure we're honoring really all of them in, in the best way we can right I'll piggyback right off that, Tom, and ask, how do you strike that balance of, all right, we want to give the old characters some love, but at the same time, we want to keep these new characters fresh and vibrant? Well, it's a big Marvel Universe. There's room for everybody. <laughs> um, you know, it's not it's not as difficult as it as it uh, sounds, and it's not really, you know, people talk about, oh, you're you're making a pivot or you're you're you know you're changing direction, and that's not really the the case at all. Certainly, uh, in terms of you know, like the Sam Wilson story. You know, we're 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 at a point in that story that we were always going to reach mm-hmm. uh, when we started out. You know, even before it was Nick Spencer, when it was Rick Remender. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we were going to get to a point where we were at about this place. And the same sort of thing is true of the story that Jason is telling with Jane as Thor. And the same thing is true, you know, throughout the Marvel universe. Things change, and change is part of what keeps the Marvel universe alive and vibrant and exciting. Um, so it's not a question of having to choose you know, one thing or the other thing. Uh, there's there's room for everybody. Mm. Asad Rabik, incredibly talented. Yes. What is the coolest thing he has had to draw so far? <laughs> well, as he has not drawn any pages I had, yet. I had a feeling you were going to say that. You know, I, I think it's he is in he is in Australia right now. Oh, okay. he emailed me from Australia. Uh, yesterday, where he's you know at a place where he can't send scans, <laughs> he doesn't have a scanner, um, so he's hoping by the end of the week. Is he to like be able out in the outback or something? I, I think that he, would be tremendous. I know that there's. I don't know if it's specifically where he's at, but I know that there are like a pair of conventions that they do okay. in Australia that are at two separate locations, yep. and so the way they they do it is they fly guests in and they keep them for a week, and you do one convention. And then you spend the week doing touristy stuff and whatever and traveling. And then you do the other convention on the other side. So I like the idea of Assad being more on a spiritual walkabout, <laughs> um, communing, you know, with the dream time. Well, that's, and all I mean, that. That, that literally could just be him going down the, down the street to, you know, <laughs> to like the, the grocers or something. Um, you know, that's a state of mind. He, he brings that with him, he Absolutely. carries that with him. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, he's down there for, I guess, a week or whatever. And, you know, by the end of the week, he says he should be at a place where he can send me some stuff. Cool. Yeah. Um, so uh, uh, you know, I can't really, I can't really tell you what's, mm. what's I, in it yet. I think we can say that you know, Jason Aaron kicks artists some of the coolest visuals in the medium. Like we worked with him on Weird World, and he was like, mm-hmm. you know, do all the crazy things, and the things mm-hmm. we got out of that series were nuts. And then mm-hmm. I think in Last Days of Magic, he made a dude rain sharks, yeah, like in front of a, a pyramid, and it was yeah. the coolest thing. And he just, you know, he thinks in such a weird, very weird, interesting way, and he's really good at, at kicking these bizarre things to artists and being like, go nuts. And and so I'm I'm very excited to see what Assad comes up with. All right. To wrap both of you guys, same question. What does the idea of legacy mean to you when it comes to Marvel Universe? Tom, we'll start with you. Um, well the legacy of the Marvel Universe is, you know, telling great, exciting stories mm-hmm. that reflect the world we live in and that uh, you know make an impact on the on the audience that people that people love and uh, you know that they, they they carry with them and that they live with so uh, you know that's that's what we're going to kind of keep doing and that's what we're going to kind of uh, call back to cool. and I think I think legacy for me is about boiling down to you know what makes a certain mantle what it is regardless mm-hmm. of 
who's wearing it like like what makes a captain america captain america like what makes uh thor thor iron man iron Lane? like what you know boiling down to the core of you know what is the essence of these characters and you know how does that look on the originator and how does that look on other people so exploring the commonalities there and the the differences Guys, thanks so much for joining us. I know we're going to have a lot more to talk about when it comes to Marvel Legacy, so uh, we'll have you back. All right, we'll be back maybe next week. For maybe next week. Patrick. you got to generate some big news this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Pressure's on. Thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah, have you been paying attention these last couple of weeks? <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be any problem. <laughs> it's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. It's the West Coast, show me and the Wolfman. Hello, Marvelites. This is Assistant Editor Christine Din. We have no Strom this week, so none of that Strom. No German, no weird (laughs) intros. No weird intro. (laughs) Did we get a boring intro? Let's make it exciting. (laughs) Do you guys want to scream into the mic? (laughs) I don't want to mess with the levels that much. No. Yeah, we're, we're, we're cool. We're, we're cool. children. <laughs> we're cool. We're cool people. Yeah, so I have two yeah. guests with me this week because it's an exciting week for games. Sure I have is. with me... Tim Hernandez, Director of Game Production for Marvel Games. And Danny Koo, Senior Producer for Marvel Games. Awesome. Look at how this dynamic is without Strom here. It's, <laughs> it's so much true. more relaxing. It's so <laughs> relaxing. <laughs> so relaxing. Christine, you, you need to tell Mark. Is this like Tahiti? Yeah. <laughs> Um, nice plug. So for this week in games, we have two awesome big things happening, and we can kick off with Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. Oh my god, I don't even know what where to begin. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big, pretty big week for uh, Marvel vs. Capcom mm-hmm. Infinite. Um, we on Tuesday we put out the cinematic trailer for the first time Um, this is actually the story mode portion of the game and it's also the first major cinematic story mode for the franchise ever so uh, fans and other Marvel fans able to look at that and see for themselves like the quality of execution that we Mm -hmm. have uh, for the story mode and we announced several characters via the story mode. Yeah. Yeah, we have Ultron, Hook, Thor, Hawkeye, Rocket Raccoon, and on the Capcom side, we have Chung Lee, Strider, and Chris Redfield from Resident Evil. Yeah, that seems like a really cool dynamic with everyone joining forces. Yeah, <laughs> and the main villain is, uh, is a combination of uh, Ultron from <laughs> the Marvel side and Sigma from the Capcom side these two robots decided to, hey, let's rack stuff up. <laughs> and <laughs> let's just merge everything together <laughs> and, and create a, this big problem for the Marvel Universe and Capcom Universe. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's going to be releasing in September. Yes, uh, September 19th for US and Europe. And Asia, we have announced the uh, 21st. For Japan fans, stay tuned. We have more news soon on the release date. Yeah. But we do. Uh, I do know that pre-order, pre-orders are available right now, right? Yes, pre-order the standard edition, the deluxe edition, you get your uh, exclusive costume, pre-order costumes. Uh, you get them now because we're not going to release them when it comes oh. out. Yeah. 
mm. so this is a very good incentive or even better we uh, <laughs> we offer a super duper awesome collector's edition the coolest collector's edition ever. oh yeah like you, yes. get, you get an infinity you, stones you get the replicas of the six infinity stones that ties back into the game mm-hmm. uh, four statues the reason I say four statues is this game is about two versus two so we have two Capcom characters uh, Mega Man and uh, Chung Lee and two Marvel characters Captain Marvel and Iron Man uh, statue replicas that is it's pretty tall we haven't tell anyone about the size yet but the shortest uh, official shortest statue is uh, Mega Man which stands at 6 inch and imagine what the rest of the cast stands at (laughs) that's awesome so what can you tell us that's not secrets (laughs) or is everything else just Uh, we released a gameplay trailer today so not so secret is uh, (laughs) you know back uh, last year when we announced we announced the time stone and um, the space so today we announced a space stone so previously oh. we, we have power stone and time stone so you can guess which other stones <laughs> I to become I can't imagine what else is <laughs> exactly awesome. um, well there are more characters uh, in, in the, on the roster we haven't announced yet mm-hmm. um, we are looking forward to uh, review them but what I can say on my previous podcast that the first gameplay trailer last year the theme song was Captain Marvel and today's or rather when you hear this this gameplay trailer 2 yep. uh, theme song is actually based on Hawkeye oh. so definitely fans check it out on our YouTube channel and our socials and or any any, yeah, any of the Capcom channels as well yeah, yeah. or if, if you're a PlayStation fan uh, it's all on PlayStation website blog sites everywhere yeah, Xbox One. Right? Xbox One as well, yes. Awesome. And Steam uh, for the, P- the PC folks. That's right, yeah. Yes, we must not forget it. It's for everybody. <laughs> it's, it's for everybody. Yeah, but if you guys haven't seen it, the, the visuals are very stunning. Yes, um, and then to all... Don't... Uh, just advise all the fans out there, don't look at the leak because like that, oh. those are not official and usually not a representation for what the actual product is. Yep, just so go to all the official channels. Always go on the official channel for news about this product. Awesome. But also this week we uh, launched a really exciting huge event for Guardians of the Galaxy. Fans who can't wait for Volume 2 to come out next week, they have a whole week to get acquainted with the characters. Yes, across five games. So uh, as we've been doing the last couple years, whenever we do a big movie or television or publishing event on the Marvel side, we add new content to all of our live operations games. So appearing in five games this week and basically running through May and and beyond, we have uh, Guardians of the Galaxy content launching for, like you said, Christine, anybody that's (laughs) too excited and too anxious (laughs) and can't wait for the movie to come out uh, next Friday, they can start playing Guardians content now in in Marvel Contest of Champions, Marvel Future Fight, Marvel Puzzle Quest, Marvel Avengers Academy, and Marvel Heroes 2016. So there's new characters, new costumes, new levels, new features. We really uh, raised the bar for the Guardians. We've, we've, been, we've been doing it since Age of Ultron. The last event we did was for Doctor Strange, but um, I think we've done more characters for this launch than we've ever done before. The, uh, 
all the apps have uh, new branding. So on the App Store, you'll, you'll see that uh, they're updates and they have uh, Guardians icons and, uh, like I just said, tons of awesome content, new characters. So I did see uh, images of King Groot. Yes. Which is King the Groot. opposite of adorable baby Groot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This one is an evil Groot. Yes. Kabam really <laughs> wanted to do another version of, uh, of Groot. And we're thinking, in a fighting game, how are we going to make baby Groot work? Well, he could probably work, but we also wanted to... Um, to an homage to the Monsters Unleashed event that mm-hmm. we did this year um, on, on the publishing side for comics. So we thought, let's let's dig back in the archives and, and take a look at Groot. And we found that, you know, obviously before he joined up with the Guardians, he had a history and it was a terrorizing one. He yeah, was a giant king from skulls. Planet X, crushing skulls, turning his hands into giant mace that can devastate opponents. So, But he looks great. But he looks, yeah, 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 he's he awesome. looks great in the game. Yeah, totally very kingly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of publishing, yes. uh, for the Guardians event, we also debut um, Marvel Future Fight comic with with uh, Nat Marvel's first uh, original character for the game, Sharon Rogers, where she meets the Guardians of the Galaxy in the comic. Oh. It's, it's up on Marvel.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, go check it out. Awesome. Um, and also, we we'll give a shout out to uh, Happy Anniversary to Marvel Future Fight is the second anniversary. That's oh, right. Anniversary? Yes. Oh, wow. yeah. This week is the this second weekend. anniversary. I, yeah. I can't believe I forgot it. Right? That was the first game that I launched yes. uh, in Marvel Games uh, yeah. <laughs> two years ago. Two years ago. Wow, time flies. That is awesome. Yeah, we're going to put out some infographic on what, what happened the duration of the second year. Mm-hmm. Also, we'll, we'll put out a video to, like, you know, to celebrate two years anniversary it's from the launch till now that's bananas a, a video montage of everything <laughs> so we can feel some nostalgia yeah <laughs> all the memories yes warm feelings <laughs> and all the great events that uh, tons you know, yeah. tons hundreds of characters and costumes yeah. that's awesome so fans can expect that next week or as soon as we're done we're working <laughs> very very hard to push that out for fans yes Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining. Yeah, thank you for for hosting us. Now it's just me. I can't stare and eat you guys because I'm horrible at singing. So it's just um, pretty outside of everything else. It's kind of been a light week. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, as we said, will be out in exactly a week for its theatrical release. Um, If you can't wait for it, we check out the red carpet coverage from the world premiere on our website. Um, definitely go play everything in the whole Guardians of the Galaxy event across games. Um, you know, there's a bunch of characters debuting, and they're kind of, it's pretty awesome. Like, you know, for Marvel Puzzle Quest, you have two different variations of Peter Quill. You'll get the, the MCU version, as well as the Christopher version from the recent Star-Lord comic. Um, in Avengers Academy, you know, Aisha brings her priestesses to the academy to make a bid for the Infinity Gauntlet. And um, a lot of the characters uh, from the film, as well as Cosmo, the space dog, Adam Warlock, uh, the Collector, and Nova, first time, will be in the Marvel Avengers Academy. Uh, we released the new featurette where the cast reveals a deeper look at the characters. And if you guys have not been listening on repeat like I have. Guardians of the Galaxy Awesome Mix Volume 2 has uh, has officially released. I've been listening to um, 
Touching by Fleetwood Mac, as well as the Mr. Blue Sky on repeat, because uh, I just can't wait. And I will be there in theaters opening day with you guys. Um, in the world of Spider-Man Homecoming, Peter Parker has received a few tech upgrades, courtesy of Iron Man and Captain America Civil War, but you can bet he'll definitely receive a couple more in Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, we have a new spotlight video, which shows him the upgrade he receives to help him face off against the Vulture before he swings back into theaters July 7th. Moving on to the world of TV, um, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This week we saw an incredibly intense episode with our agents still trapped in the framework. Um, things kicked off with Daisy regaining her inhuman abilities, thanks to May questioning her loyalties to Hydra. And, you know, we learn about how Coulson and Ward, um, how they kind of got into the fray. It's kind of, they reveal some like interesting tidbits from their past and the choices that they made. Um, so catch a new episode next Tuesday at 10 p.m. on ABC. We also have a new episode this week of This, this Week in Marvel's Angels of S.H.I.E.L.D. with Brett Dalton. Strong talks to him about returning to the S.H.I.E.L.D., what it means, like how his character, how Agent Ward in the framework is also definitely like how he was in the regular reality. Um, and it's just kind of talking about what it's been like returning to the team. And then congrats to the cast and crew. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Slingshot won the 2017 Webby Award for drama long form or series, as well as the people's voice in that category. So if you haven't checked out the six-part online series on our channel, um, it shows what, it's like, it bridges the gap between season three and season four with Yo-Yo and uh, an off-the-books mission that she took on. So that's it. I'm going to kick it back to the East Coast. Thanks for joining us. special This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club this week. We read the first six issues of Guardians of the Galaxy from the 2008 volume, written by Dan Abnett and Andy Lanning, uh, art by Paul Pelletier, and the voice in the background excited about it is the man who edited those comics, friend of the show, William Roseman. Hey everyone, how's it going? My friends call me Bill, so Ben, you are clearly one of my friends. Oh, Bill. That's the best, man. How are you, do how are you doing today? Awesome. Uh, today, uh, all of the um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 content, all the content inspired by the film, is now hitting across our portfolio uh, of games. Indeed and it is. So, it's a great day to be a fan of the Guardians, and a great day to play Marvel games. Yeah, it's a nice little crossover there. Um, Let's explain to the people who just may be jumping in for this and, and have, are not familiar with your your path through Marvel superstardom, uh, what your role was in 2008 and how you were connected to the Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, so let me see. So right now, I'm out in California, and I'm the creative director of Marvel Games. Um, and I got my roots in Marvel... Uh, uh, through, uh, I wanted to be an editor back in the day, and I actually got into marketing, uh, and, and I was actually writing the previews catalog. And then years later, I was actually invited 
uh, by Joe Casado to finally join Marvel editorials. So writing the catalog about comics, so I could help make comics. Mm-hmm. So in 2008, that's exactly what I was doing. I was uh, Joe invited me back and asked me to edit the cosmic line. Um, at the time, it wasn't really a line; it was it was just going to be one book. So I came in at uh, the very end of the Annihilation event. So as I joined Marvel, the last issue was going to uh, was going to stores, and the idea was to launch Nova out of Annihilation. And Dan and Andy, uh, I was very lucky, Dan and Andy were already attached to the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I asked Mr. Sean Chen to come on because he drew a great Iron Man and we wanted to position Nova time as a more mature Nova, more experienced Nova uh, coming out of the Annihilation event. Yeah. And we wanted to put him on the same level as an Iron Man and a Captain America. So we brought in Sean Chen who had experienced you know, drawing characters of, of, the, of that power. Um, and so... Uh, in 2008, we had just done, got through our first year of Nova, and it was doing very well. The sales were not huge, uh, uh, but they were holding rock steady. Rock steady. And, and rock steady. They were right at about 30,000, 35,000. That's just print comics, mm-hmm. not counting digital and collections. But that audience showed up every month. So whatever we were doing, they were liking it. So about a year after Annihilation, um, I just thought, well, it's been a year. Uh, it's time for let's let's do an event. It's like it's it's, it's like in wrestling. We have a WrestleMania yep. one year later. Let's do WrestleMania again. Right. Here, let's let's do our big event. And I wanted to do a follow up to Annihilation in a sense. We didn't want to do the same thing, but we want to kind of take some of those themes and maybe right. try something a little different. So if the first Annihilation was about. Uh, uh, it was very much almost like a World War II story. It was about, here comes this wave uh, of, of enemies, uh, and that's the bugs, the uh, analysis wave. And it was all about, let's, we, we must stop that wave. And that's very um, easy to understand. Uh, and and it's, it's, it's a great high concept, because when you're dealing with characters, sometimes with sci-fi characters, and, and they seem very intimidating or just you know, kind of outlandish to people, if you can root them, in a high concept that you understand and that's emotional, then that's your entryway in. <laughs> so we said if the first annihilation was stopping the wave, I said, let's flip it. Let's do a story of uh, occupation. So let's do a story where, in the very beginning, the takeover has already happened. Yeah. And then the characters must decide, do we lay down or do we fight back? And so that's what Conquest was. And out of Conquest, we were thinking about launching... Quasar out of that. Huh. Um, at, at the time, Quasar was not Wendell Vaughn, it was um, Falavelle, the daughter of, uh, of uh, the current... Uh, wait, was it the daughter of Marvell? <laughs> it, was, it, was it was the daughter well, of Marvell. Here, well, here's the problem. She, her character is can be a bit convoluted, yeah. and what we found was people weren't responding to her. <laughs> we positioned her as sort of this Joan of Arc Defending the Cree people. And people, I think the response to her was, oh, okay, we like her, she's cool. But the strongest response came from a different book that was in uh, uh, Conquest, and that was the Star Lord mini. Mm-hmm. And in that mini, he went on this suicide mission with this ragtag uh, uh, crew. And that was truly the beginning seed of the, of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep. In absolutely. that Star Lord mini, that's when Peter Quill first met Rocket and Groot and Mantis. 
Uh, and there were some additional characters, um, Death Cry and, and Captain Universe, um, who, who eventually did not make the team. But that core group was there. And a lot of the things that you know about the Guardians, uh, even if you look at the film, were in that meeting. The idea of them meeting in prison, going on a suicide mission. Um, that, that was the first time Groot uh, sacrificed himself. He blew up and rockets took a little piece of him and grew him in a pot as little as a... As a little group, so a lot of the a lot of the seeds uh, for the Guardians were, were planted in that moment, and the response was really strong. And so we changed mid plans. I went to Tom Brevoort, who was my boss at the time, and I said, "Hey, I know we talked about spinning Quasar uh, out of Conquest, but I'm really liking the Star Lord Mini, and that's the book that has people talking. And if we did that, the book would be clearly different from Nova." Mm-hmm. Because we, we always, you know, want our books to be uh, unique and distinct from each other. And so if Nova was the solo book, he was sort of the lone ranger of space. And I said, let's do a group uh, book. Uh, and another crazy thing is, it almost was not called Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. At the beginning, uh, and we even made a joke of it in Guardians number one, we were going to call them the Annihilators. Right, which you end up using later. Yeah, so uh, Annihilators, which is kind of spinning out of Annihilation Annihilation Conquest we said that would be fun but then we're like that name sounds very like violent Mm -hmm. and you know maybe doesn't hit the tone that we're going for and so uh, I I just sort of rolled the dice and when I was doing my research for the Star-Lord book and and picking different characters for the team I I, uh, was reminded of the Guardians of the Galaxy and I said to myself, hey, you know, no one is using this name, and it's, it, the name is so perfect. You, if, if you've never heard them before, you, you, you know exactly what they are. Mm-hmm. And so I went to Tom, and I said, I know this is crazy, but what if we use the name? And he said, well, that's a great idea, but how, how would that work out? Because the original Guardians were from the future. And I just said, well, what if uh, this is where they got their name? Yeah. What if we just had a, a modern version, and that was the first time someone had used that name, and then eventually the future Guardians used that name again. And it's like, wow, that's a simple solution. That could work. Pretty elegant. So, um, so I asked Dan and Andy uh, to write Guardians. And, and originally there was actually some resistance. Uh, some people thought I was really? putting too many eggs. Yeah, they, they said, you know, some people thought, oh, you're going to have the same people write two books. You know, what if... Because we, we always have to safeguard ourselves against delays, right? Yeah, sure. That's where it was coming from. It's like, what if, you know, delays happen? Someone's basement floods. Someone breaks an arm. Who knows? Life happens, and, and that causes delays. And so if you have uh, uh, one person or one duo writing two books, if something happens, that's two books in jeopardy. Sure. Right. But I said, I want to take the risk because I just really lo- love Dan and Andy's take on Cosmic. They embrace the past but they make it very accessible uh, and they bring a lot of humor to it. Mm. Um, and so, uh, and I also, I wanted the books uh, tied together very closely so that if you just read the cosmic books, you would have two books kind of ping ponging back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then we could lead into more events and it would just be this nice little corner of the galaxy uh, of, of our comics, so to speak. And uh, anyway, that was it. So I, so I said, no, I'm going to go with Dan and Andy. I want them to write both of them. I want Guardians and Nova to, to be their own area and they could really own it and, and, and just really develop this, this, this 
whole side of Marvel. And at the time, Paul Pelletier was drawing Nova. Mm-hmm. And he was loving it, and I and I knew Paul from my time when I worked at CrossGen. So I met Paul, and, and I always loved his his work. And I just said, Paul, I have a big favor to ask. We're going to launch this this book, and you would do so well on it. I can just imagine him drawing Groot because he's great at drawing big people. And I thought I could just see him drawing Drax. I just thought he would be perfect. And at first, Paul was like, Ah. You want me to re- leave a book that's a solo character? Yeah, for a team book. <laughs> for a team book, yeah. And draw five times the people. Um, but uh, to his credit, Paul said yes, and he understands what how big of a launch it could be, and uh, and so that is my long lead-in to the to launch Guardians of the Guardians of the Galaxy number yeah. one. Brilliant stuff. I, well, I want to talk a little bit more about the characters. Um, I think sure. if you follow Conquest, you can kind of see what you were saying about like Quasar being positioned as the breakout, and even to some degree Adam Warlock too. And that's sure. something that I think continued on when the when the Guardians book started. I think they we definitely still gave it a shot with those two characters. Um, but it was clear that kind of like the Star Lord, Rocket, Groot trio became they were the ones the fans really resonated with. Yeah, I think um, you know as much as I love uh, Warlock, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, I'm glad to see him popping up in, in other places. Yeah, uh, as great as he is, and as awesome as we tried to invent a new character, Wraith. I think he was pretty cool was as great. well. Yeah, I love Wraith. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna do my best to bring him back in some of our games. Good. I think he's just an untapped character. Absolutely. Uh, offering something a little different. He was sort of I, I wanted to create like a dark solo brooding yeah. warrior. Yeah. So that was that was what I was trying to do there, but with. Uh, I think the reason people gravitated towards Star-Lord and Rocket and Groot is, you know, even though one of them is a raccoon and one of them is a tree, hmm. they're very human. Absolutely. And and very relatable. Right. And, you know, I think, you know, Peter, most of all, he is our POV character. He is the one Earthman amongst this group. Mm-hmm. So he is very relatable in that way. Yeah. Um, even though he's been in space for a while, he still is rooted, you know, he, he, he spent uh, at least up to his teen years on Earth. So he was sort of our POV character, and he was the one kind of looking around at everything and commenting on how crazy things were. Yeah. Um, and, and had a good sense of humor uh, and, and dealt with all the, all the nuttiness that was around him. And then I think with Rocket and Groot, they're just, they're sort of this classic duo kind of in the um, tradition of R2-D2 and C-3PO. Mm-hmm. You know, you have one that's talking a lot, that's Rocket, and then you have the other one uh, that is only communicating through limited words, so that's kind of like R2. They're also kind of like uh, Han Solo and Chewbacca. You know, you have yeah. Han, who is, uh, you know, shooting the ray guns and making the jokes, and then you have Chewbacca. Who's the muscle. Uh, you know, yeah, and he's this tall, brown guy. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you look at Rocket and Groot, you know, you, you see Groot, there's a lot of parallels between him and Chewbacca that, that, that they they... they communicate in ways that you don't understand but that that their partner can understand mm-hmm. and he's also very noble and uh also like chewbacca he is sort of he represents sort of uh, nature you know nature unbridled you know uh uh and he's standing there like chewbacca with no clothes on essentially mm-hmm. so there's a lot of interesting echoes from other classic um sci-fi and um they're just relatable in a um in a friendship way where at the beginning you know group the big guy didn't want to have anything to do with the little guy. And that was kind of like if you think back those classic cartoons where you would have the little dog running around the big dog uh, uh, trying to get the, the big dog to like them. 
It was a lot like that. At first, Rocket was trying to, like, come on, Groot, come on, buddy. And then Groot was, you know, rebuffing him, pushing him away. And eventually, Groot sees that, oh, he does need to rely on people. Mm-hmm. And, then, and, and Rocket ends up saving him. Uh, when he blows up, he ends up saving. He takes that splinter and regrows him. And I think that really won over Groot's uh, heart. And uh, so anyway, they, I think those three were very relatable. So then the final addition to what we would think of as the core Guardians team, that comes with adding Drax and Gamora. Now, Drax and Gamora were not part of the Star-Lord miniseries, but Correct. they were major characters in both Annihilation events. Yes. So what happened uh, was, so we, you know, I, I, I sat down with Dan and Andy and talked to them on the phone and exchanged emails. We talked about the lineup and, you know, we really knew we wanted uh, Star-Lord, Rocket and Groot. And then we started talking about who else could be on the team. And we were looking at, um, as you said, some of the characters that were back in, uh, back in play. Yeah. And Gamora and Drax really, you know, jumped out at all of us. It was kind of the, the two green, scary people mm. with knives. <laughs> right. So we thought it would be very fun just to have, you know, Gamora, sort of the Electra of space. Yep. This very deadly, determined, cool, kind of scary. She may have predated Electra, actually. Yeah, I mean, Electra might be the Gamora of space. Electra is, that's right. That's how we need to start referring to Electra. There you go. (laughs) So you had Gamora and then Drax. I just think they did such an amazing job of reimagining him. Yes. uh, In Annihilation. Yeah. And, and and they kept the idea of okay, big green guy, but they really grounded him um, and kept that core idea of he wants to avenge his murdered family. But they just made him very much more um, grounded and cool and believable and captivating. Right, and that was I mean uh, that was Keith Giffen. Yeah, and that was Keith, and, and Keith was the one who wrote that and wrote the Star Lord mini. Yeah, so there's a lot so of his he, fingerprints all over it. Yeah, he just he deserves a lot of praise for 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 the Modern Guardians as well. Uh, he was really one of the the, the forefathers, along along with um, and Nanny Landing. I always say, you know, Keith Giffen should be mentioned as well for all, all the work he did on those characters. Um, and he also wrote in the, the whole Annihilation event, so Absolutely. he was really part of it. And, and that's why I wanted him to write the Star Lord mini because. He wrote the first Annihilation. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, it was uh, it was uh, Drax and Gamora, and then we had her and we had her five. But we also had um, that whole five wasn't in there in the, in the very first issue. We had some additional uh, characters. We had Adam Warlock on the team, and we had Phyla uh, Phylavel, aka Quasar, on the team. And actually, in the first issue, Groot was not going on adventures because right. he was still growing. So small. So yeah, so Groot was back at headquarters. Uh, with Mantis, Mantis, who was a carryover from the Star Lord mini, right. and now we're seeing her in the film. It's so great to see all these characters now yeah. uh, shown to the world. Uh, and the headquarters. It was funny um, when I was talking to Dan and Andy about launching Guardians. I said, "Hey, you know it should be our headquarters. It should be nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowhere." They introduced in an issue of Nova mm-hmm. uh, about a year earlier, and I just thought it was the most brilliant, cool thing, this just giant, decapitated celestial head. I mean, what's cooler than that? This it is great... a very cool idea. Yeah, it's like, what? The... And, and we never wanted to explain the mystery of, well, what? How did it get there? And who? De... What, what could decapitate a celestial? We said, let's just leave that. But it's also it's, just it's, cool it's... because it let you have all these stories, and you see them right here in the first six issues. You have mm-hmm. the stories with the other people on nowhere. Yes. There, there's, so we... there's different people for them to butt up against. 
Yes, we wanted to have kind of that workplace element of they have their Avengers Tower, they have their it's like Spider Man going to uh, Peter going to the Daily Bugle. Mm-hmm. So nowhere, and, and we said, oh, you have to have Cosmo as yeah. head of security, Which was great. who doesn't really, who doesn't like the Guardians because they're always causing problems, <laughs> and it was always growling at Rocket because he's a raccoon, of course. Uh, we said, yeah, let's let's have their headquarters where other people live. So they, you know, they go off on their crazy adventures and they come back to their headquarters to chill out. And then, then they, yeah, they bump up into other people, whether it's Cosmo or, uh, uh, or whether it's other people coming the to nowhere. So Remember to, them? The Luminals. Yeah, they, those were our nods sort of at the, uh, they're kind of our version of the Legion of Superheroes yep. or the Avengers. Yep. They, they were like, because uh, we, we, again, we, we, we want to keep, um, as you say, butting them up against uh, yeah. other forces and it's fun to have contrasting forces so if guardians were the rough around the edges kind of pirates we wanted to have the squeaky clean varsity team yeah and so that's where the luminals came from and they would show up and they're kind of like they're like the kids that the parent likes mm-hmm. you know that gets good grades and is good at sports and then the guardians are the kids under the bleachers <laughs> uh, and well, and, and we try to use, like, every issue and everything we in, uh, brought to the series, we always try to ground it in a relatable analogy. So that for people who are new to these characters, at least they would be presented in a way that you would understand, like, what what's the metaphor? What do they stand for? Um, and so we were always thinking of very grounded, grounded analogies. For all these places, you know, nowhere that's their that's their treehouse, that's their that's their clubhouse. You know, Nova is kind of the cranky uncle, you know, who, who you know, or or like think of Happy Days. There's Al, you know, yelling at Fonzie and Rich sometimes. Um, that's a way back reference for way for back. you for you for you kids. There was a show called Happy Days. Look it up. Anyway, let's go on Wikipedia. We always, so so for all this, yeah, we tried to find relatable analogies okay. and we always tried to find kind of very big uh, marketable hooks to end each issue hmm. so at the end of issue one you have this discovery of oh my gosh it's Captain America's shield yep and then that cover that cover to number two is one of my favorite covers of all time mm-hmm. it's just Groot and Rocket and both looking badass and they're just holding this Captain America's shield and you're just like what is going on in this issue? I gotta read it. <laughs> and Dan and Andy had the brilliant curveball of you think, oh, it's going to be Captain America? Nope, nope. It's it's uh, uh, Astro. Major Victory. Yeah, Major yeah, Vance Astro. It's Major Victory. When did you, uh, when did you guys decide? Because you have you have Major Victory in issue two, then you have Starhawk yeah. in issue three. When did you guys yeah. decide? Okay, we're going to lean into the Guardians thing and include the original well, Guardians. Yeah, again, that was. Um, an attempt to sort of, you know, confront them with something, rub them up against something. In this case, we wanted them to rub up against the original Guardians, who were, you know, they are from the future, but to Marvel lore, they're kind of of the past, right? They're kind of these mythic characters. And so we wanted to rub up these rookies against these really uh, powerful, kind of revered characters, and and to right away confront them with, you know, do we have what it takes? Can we be the Guardians? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we looked at, um, we just thought, you know, the design and the personalities of, of Vance Astro and Starhawk really stood out to us. Sure. And um, 
you know, and 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 they were diff- and they were very different. They weren't hitting the same note. Vance is very optimistic and sort of naive and sort of this Captain America type character. Yep. Where Starhawk is almost like the Vision, very mysterious, kind of cold. Um, and I also thought that um, we could get a really cool redesign of Starhawk. Yeah. We would embrace his look with the blue and the big golden wings, but I thought we could do sort of a modern uh, revamp of his sure. costume, and I just think it's an awesome visual it is. Um, that I would love to see around today. So yeah, that was just kind of, you know, our wish list of, hey, I always thought Starhawk was a cool name and a cool look. Let's let's bring him back. The other big and, thing you have going on in the first three issues is you've got the Universal Church of Truth, who are kind yes. of the big bads of this first arc, and that, that to me, again, was more like, okay, Warlock is the center point of the book. Um, or at least we're trying to get Warlock over here to use wrestling mm-hmm. terminology. Um, what was <laughs> what was the what was the plan with the Universal Church too? Why were they good first villains? They're very easy to well, understand. I think is yeah, and and that came right from Dan and Andy. They said we want to use a church, and I said okay, why? And again, it was another it was another contrast. <laughs> so if. Um, you know, if, if 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 the guardians are are you know Robin Hood and the Merry Men, then the Universal Church of Truth is like the established authority. Mm-hmm. You know, they are this big, impressive, uh, uh, you know, official group uh, who have rules and regulations and are very strict. Mm-hmm. And so, the fi- friction between that strictness and the rules and the institution with a band of pirates, it just creates great sparks. Hmm, and they were just very uh, uh, Dan, Andy, and Paul were just brilliant in what they designed with the big temple ships. Yeah, and the, the idea that they were powered, powered by belief—that was great. powered by belief. I mean, yeah. and that's an interesting. You know, you know, science fiction should always be about something. Yes, you know, all, all of our comics because they're in a genre. You know, whether it's sci-fi or fantasy, superhero, what have you, you should always be using that genre to make a statement about something in real life. Right. So, you know, an institution that's, you know, powered by faith, that's an interesting way to look at real-life churches. Yeah. Um, and and uh, the good they do, and sometimes the the things that we look back now in history, like the Crusades, and think, oh, was that the best thing that this institution did? Mm-hmm. And, you know, churches aren't perfect, but, you know, a lot of them have very noble goals. And so, again, that was this really interesting uh, building blocks for a story. Sure. So you have these flying temple ships. They're powered by belief. You have these cardinals who are the living embodiment of that faith and saying, "I believe," mm-hmm. and you know, the, and and they're powered by their faith, which is very interesting. So it was just a great, just great visuals, great motivations, uh, just exciting stuff. And again, touching upon, as I said before, Dan and Andy were so good about using continuity and using the past, the past, but in modern and uh, accessible ways. So again, they're they're going back into the 70s to get this group called the uh, Church of Universal Truth and bringing them into the present um, and presenting them in a way that that feels that new, new and fresh, but yet uh, kind of gives pays homage to the past as well. So you get to your fourth issue. You've just launched the series. You've introduced yep. bad guys. You've introduced these other guardians. And now here comes Secret Invasion, which was right. the Marvel-wide crossover. And you guys are thrown right into the mix. How, what were the challenges, but also what were the hooks to that? Well, I always see events as an opportunity. Sure. And it's that, you know, if Marvel is doing events, um, we're never ordered to tie in. 
In fact, the, the rule at Marvel is an event is only as strong as its weakest book. Hmm. So there's a process by which you must go to whoever's running the event and say, I want to tie in my book, and here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And if the connection is not strong enough, and if it feels tacked on, oftentimes people will be told, you know what, let's not do that. Okay. Uh, you know, because it feels like it's, it, it, it's, 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 it might hijack your book, or it just doesn't feel like we have enough there for a whole story, and, and uh, let's just let your book be your book. And, and that's just kind of the process. It's, it's survival of the fittest, and you have to have a strong enough idea uh, to be a part of an event. And so I always say, um, you know, if we like the event, if we think it's creatively interesting, then let's participate. And let's use it to put a spotlight on our book. And my goal, whether it was uh, Dark Reign or Siege or Secret Invasion, was that I always want people to say, did you read this tie-in book? That was the best part of the event. That was my goal. Like, let's make yeah. our books the best part of the entire event, and let's show everybody who may just be reading it because it's a tie-in. Mm-hmm. Let's show them how good our book is, so that they stay when the event's over. Yeah, totally. So that's the goal. Yeah. So I thought the timing was great because usually a book will launch high and then sales will decrease. So, and issue three is actually right when you get to three. That's when retailers are uh, because. Comics are solicited months before they're ready. So they're ordering one and two and almost three pretty much blind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in, right when issue three hits, that's when the sales of one are coming in. And that's when you really need to get to. You need to make that jump to three. And if your sales are healthy, then you can go on. Um, so I thought the timing of it with issue four was perfect. So that would, we'd, 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 do, we'd do our big launch. Then we'd have Captain America's Shield. In issue three, we've got Starhawk, okay. And then issue four, Secret Invasion, boom. So we're giving people a reason to care right out of the gate. Uh, and, you know, the Secret Invasion setup was really interesting with the, uh, 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 the scrolls infiltrating Earth, and that was the challenge. It was like, okay, this event is cool, but it's set on Earth. Right, it's Earthbound. How, how, how are we going to tell you? So that, and because we didn't want to... Uh, travel to Earth yet. We wanted to stay out in space. So that was our challenge. Uh, and we kicked the idea back and forth. And um, my initial pitch to Dan and Andy is let's do sort of a closed door mystery. Right. Like almost like a clue. You're in a mansion, mm-hmm. there's a dead body, who done it? So I said, let's just do a story where we think there are scrolls on nowhere and we don't know who is a scroll and we want to see will this tear the group apart <laughs> will they start by saying oh it's not one it's not us and then eventually is it well, i always thought there was something weird about adam <laughs> or you know i'm talking raccoon no way that's got to be a scroll and i wanted to see if the team would start you know uh uh threatening each other <laughs> and doubting each other and, and again, our, 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 our book is always about family. And so we thought, let's do a, a story where it begins. There's a, a, an explosion, and it uncovers the fact that there are scrolls on Nowhere. And so then you get Nowhere into lockdown, and then the doubts start creeping in. Right. And the cool twist that Dan and Andy did was um, they did find scrolls on Nowhere, 
but none of the guardians are scrolls. Right. Uh, that was a twist because in some books they were re- revealing that people you thought were just normal supporting cast members were actually scrolls. Mm-hmm. And so we said, let's do it where the twist is none of them are scrolls, <laughs> but the but the emotional damage was done with the accusations, and then you find out that the scrolls that were on nowhere were actually refugees, mm-hmm. and they were seeking asylum on nowhere. They weren't there to take over nowhere or hurt anyone. They were actually pacifist scrolls. They were trying to escape. So again, that's just Dan, Andy, and Paul just, you know, taking an initial idea and just developing it, running with it, making it awesome. All right, Bill. Last thing I want to touch on here. We could we could keep going for forever. Yes, we could. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the time, and i got to let you go okay. at some point. All right. So, obviously, Guardians is now this hugely successful movie franchise, and so much of what makes the movies appealing you see right here in these six issues. And I know a lot of yep. it was taken from the Star-Lord mini, from the Annihilation event, whatever. But what, what core elements contained in these six comics do you think really were transposed onto the screen? Well, well uh, uh, first of all, I want to say thank you for, for uh, saying that and acknowledging that. And, and I think the whole creative team and myself, we, we feel we're almost like proud parents. Mm-hmm. You know, to see our characters that were in our little book suddenly up on uh, the movie screen and then then getting a cartoon and being in all these cool toys and, and now in the Marvel games and it's, it's crazy to see our kids now just loved by the world. Right. Um, and you're right, you can see so many of the elements in these early issues. You know, you, you look at the first six issues of Guardians and it's all there. You see nowhere. You see Cosmo nowhere. You, you, um, you have this group of myths that, that um, are from all walks of life around the universe who, um, who feel they're the last of their race, uh, that they have lost their family. Um, you have characters like Mantis, who are now in the film. She's there as well. Uh, you have the elements in uh, the comics where she is talking to the characters and they're kind of doing confessionals or talking to the comics. Right, yeah, we can bring that up. Yeah, it's something that would be fun. We stole that from, uh, what, MTV Real World? Yeah. The, the confessionals, we stole that from there. We're from the best. <laughs> uh, that would be a way to, like, you know, if we have the action, they go out in their missions and their action, and they come back out of nowhere, they need to decompress and kind of have these confessional moments talking to them. Um, so when they're doing the professionals, they're talking about all the themes that the Guardians are known for. They're talking about family. They're talking about what they've lost in the past. They're talking about can they form a new family. They're talking about is someone going to tear this new family apart. It's all these very relatable themes that are here in these first six issues, in addition to the crazy wild visuals <laughs> and the things we see like Star Wars gas mask and, uh, you know, Mantis with her antennas, and there are so many elements that are that are taken and that uh, have their beginning right in these first six issues. And uh, I'm just happy that um, the studios team, you know, were reading the books and liked what they saw. And then I'm happy Nicole Perlman saw that and wrote her first draft. And then I'm so happy, you know, Chris James Gunn came along and did his whole version and just took it and ran with it. And uh, many, 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 many people, very talented people, all had a hand in, in creating uh, the Guardians franchise. And uh, we like to say, uh, you know, hey, we were cool kids. We were, we were in on it first. Right. Perfect. I think that's the perfect place to uh, to end it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Bill. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Ben. And uh, Thank keep you. doing the awesome things you're doing over at Marvel Games. Well, we'll do our best. And I uh, just want to say everyone out there, you know, whether you want to do a, a match three game 
We got Marvel Puzzle Quest. We want to do a fighting game. We got Cops of the Champions. We want to do a, a builder, simulation builder. We got Avengers Academy. We just had uh, Marvel Heroes Omega jump to console. Yes. And, and there's more to come. We've announced Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. We've announced Spider-Man. And we've announced the Avengers Project. Uh, Marvel Games is really taking off. And uh, all the things that you see and that you love in the comments on our TV shows, the phones, they're all going to the game. And we want to see you there. All right, thank you, Bill. We'll talk later. Thank you, Bill. Have a good one. Take care. Questions and comments. Questions and comments. Questions and comments from you. We did it. We did it. We did it. All right. So, guys, you got to hear what Bill Roseman thought about, and and I, I got I got my licks in too. So, Ryan, why don't we get your take on what we read for Twin URC Guardians of the Galaxy, and I'll kind of chip in with my thoughts here and there. It was real good. Yeah, I love the, 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 the like the reality TV thing mm-hmm. kind of yeah. that they were the doing. Confessionals. The confessionals, the confessionals. Rosen, Rosen admitted he said they stole that straight from the real world, and that's obviously. fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like having them talk about it and like look at the the quote unquote the camera, I thought it was a cool device. It wasn't something nice. we had seen, especially not with those characters. I had forgotten that that was the first like like the naming of that team as the Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. happening there. Yep. Um, so Moondragon had just died, but yes, didn't she Moondragon come back? Moondragon died in Annihilation Conquest, but she does come back over right. the course of this Guardians okay. of the Galaxy series. Cool. Um, Spoilers. So, yes. So there's <laughs> that. Uh, they're dynamic. All like them trying to just figure everything out. Like yeah. Star-Lord lying to everyone yep. and using Mantis. Like There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on there that I completely forgot. Um I love Cosmo. Like mm. that, this reminded me of how much I loved Cosmo and like how important he was to that crew. Right. So great. Um, th- I particularly loved the Squirrel series. I know I talked about it a bunch when we were talking about the other books, but like that part of the story, I, th- I thought was great. Yeah. I also loved bringing in the like the you know Guardians three thousand characters mm-hmm. when you bring in Vance Astro and right s- off the bat too. Yeah, Starhawk yeah. and like. I don't remember how any of that ended. I don't either. Um, I kind of want to go back and read it. Just yeah, for that. totally. Uh, but it's it's so fun and it's so like boom, 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 boom. So many things going mm-hmm. on and and like having Adam Warlock on the team and giving like making him more that like like really like turning up the magic part of him mm-hmm. to the like that level and as opposed to the classic Adam Warlock who's like. He is a space shaman or whatever. Yeah, he's a cosmic guy. Yeah, More but cosmic th- than this magic. was like it's cool. Yeah. And the villains that they're fighting. There's just a Universal of- Church of Truth. Yeah, very cool. I one of the things I talked briefly with Bill about, but I want to get in a little more here, is that it's just proof that characters have a mind of their own and they're going to do what they're going to do and fans are going to react the way they're going to react. Because to me, when you read the series, it's pretty clear to me that, at least in my mind, Warlock and Quasar are aside from Star-Lord, the stars of the book. Yeah. They're the ones they want to push. It was very wrestling-esque. They were the ones they wanted to push. The crowd loved Rocket and Groot and Gamora and Drax, and they ended up being the, the team, ultimately. They 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 were the Daniel Bryan story. <laughs> they were... Uh, yes, thank you, Nick. Um, but... They were they were the ones the crowd wanted, and whether the creators I, the creators loved them, and they ended up being the stars. And you see that we don't hear a lot from Adam Warlock and Quasar, but this actually made me kind of nostalgic for those characters. Yeah, like, I would love to see Adam Warlock. I feel like I've been reading old uh, Infinity Watch comics too, so I'm kind of in an Adam Warlock kind of mood. But I don't know. I hope we we, we see him again soon. 
feel yeah. like it's, I feel like it's overdue. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I love that character, and like the iterations that we saw in like that decade were great. Great, fantastic stuff. Um, yeah, I, so Phyla, her, she has the Nega bands, right? Yep. And those are now on. New Quasar. New Quasar. Yeah. yeah and Phyla is... Newer Quasar. Yeah. Quasar was... Phyla was new Quasar. Right. Now she's old Quasar. What happened to Wendell? Wendell... What happened to Wendell prior to this? Yeah. Okay. He died in Annihilation. He got killed right. by Annihilus. Yes. That was the big... It happened in Annihilation Nova. And it was big, like, Nova couldn't save him. And that's when Annihilus took the Negamans from him. Uh, Phyla helps to kill Annihilus in Annihilation proper and so she gets the bands and Wendell is gone for a while and then eventually in the pages of Nova Wendell comes back mm. the exact mechanics of which I'm a little unclear but I think it sure. was like an energy signature still existed yada 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 sure. Project Pegasus etc um, he comes back and then in standoff earlier this year he decided he didn't want to be Quasar anymore he um, just live like his a, life you know? like a chump it's fine you know what I'll, I'll say it right now Quasar Wendell Vaughn you are a Chump. Wow. Ooh. Hot take. Yeah. Ben, Scorching hot. Ben just dropped the mic. He probably couldn't hear it, but he yeah. dropped on. It was crazy. No, it's on the table. It's on the table. I it's, can't it's drop fine. it. It's fine. It's an expensive So now we, I like our new Quasar. I like, she's great. Yeah, she's awesome. Totally. So don't miss but, Wendell at all. But I... Phyla was one of those characters, like, I loved. Yeah, I, she's I great. fell in love with her and the dynamic she had that built up with Moondragon throughout mm. that series. And with Drax. And with Drax, in too. this series. Yeah, like, there's that scene where she's got the groceries and she's yeah. like, I'm going to cook you something. And, yeah. like, there was just, it was a really short little bit. And I was like, I love, like, that she's trying to connect with the woman she loves, like, Dad. her father. Like, yeah. there's Even though they were estranged, like... Yeah, she's but trying still, to make she's trying to this figure something out. Yeah. And she's, she's like, well, I'm stuck here with these people. Mm-hmm. Like... The, the woman I love is dead right now. Uh, her weird dad is there. Yeah. Might as well try to like connect with yeah. him somehow. By making him macaroni and cheese. Yeah. Which he's down with. He's like, oh, if you're making macaroni and cheese, I'm eating it. Yeah. Oh, and it's like Paul Pelletier art. Oh, so, oh, so, good. so good. Man, he does such great facial expressions. Yes. Yeah. He does excellent facial expressions. He does excellent action. Oh, yeah. Just big scenes where you're packing a lot of characters in. He's yeah. got that, like, George Perez DNA to him. Uh, great stuff. Yeah. This of course, Abnett and Lanning just crushing yeah yeah we, we talked a lot about how it's just like you know you see the guardians up on the screen it's it's all right here the genesis is all in these comics yep. and it's crazy to think when we were reading them in 08 it was just like this was kind of like the niche on the other side of the galaxy um cosmic book like the, it really was a little book that could yeah because it was not you know it was not one of the a-list titles no. and just look at how far it's come it's yeah incredible. i was trying to think so this came out in 08 mm-hmm. um the first Guardians movie came out in 14. Correct. It was probably announced in like 11. Mm-hmm. It was probably in development for a year or two. Mm-hmm. So the the Abnett Landing stuff, like, you know it clicked mm-hmm. so quickly mm-hmm. with the studio yeah. and everything. Like, how that immediately, like, made sense and turned it, like, right. had that vibe. Well, for, I mean, if you look at the history of Marvel movies like it's it was the big characters up until Guardians of the Galaxy Guardians of the Galaxy is literally the first time that studios saw something from the Marvel publishing catalog that was not necessarily a big ticket and said oh wait this is cool we should do something with this this will make it work and I always say that 
and I know you can check in how you feel about this, but I always say that Guardians of the Galaxy, the first movie, to me felt different than any other movie we had put out just in terms of like ownership. Where I was like, oh, that's something that happened while we were here mm. working. Like, that's something we produced. All the other stuff, like, you know, Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, you go back to, like, the 60s and uh, sometimes even longer. And, like, that's the stuff that Stan and Jack or Stan and Steve did. And that's, like, their creation. This is, even if we didn't work directly on the Guardians book, this is something that if you're, like, a member of the modern Marvel staff, you feel like the Guardians are our characters. Yeah. Like, we were here while they were created. Yeah. Not even created, but as they came into being. Yeah, I know. No. Just, very just, true. Just a thought off the top of my head. No, it's great. Just going. Yeah. Just riffing. And, and and just to tie it all together, I remember during when when Guardians was being put together, I remember seeing like a like an internal promo reel or something mm. that was then shared with like our partners and, and people who were coming in on the movie to like help support it. You know, product placements or this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. yeah. Stuff that we were sharing around, and there was just a shot of James. Walking, um, Abnett and Lanny yeah. on the set, yeah. like showing him, showing them, like, hey, look at this. This is what we're doing, and like yep. that cool synergy of that story, these characters, this modern stuff connecting directly with this film was so mm-hmm. cool. Very cool. That yeah, I'm, I'm so glad those guys have gotten the credit they deserve, and uh, it's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. All right. Do we want to get to questions and comments from the Peanut Gallery? Let's do it. All right. Starting out with DJ Fanko, Don says, The first issue of Guardians of the Galaxy left me wondering what to think. Evil religious people, but Star-Lord thanks God. Um, you know, religion's complicated. Yeah, and I, you know, faith does not, like, one person's faith does mm-hmm. not have to connect to any one religion. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, one can have faith without believing in a certain religion. Well, but, and uh, he follows up a little more of that, says, Why did devout religious beings flying their church around the galaxy have to be all convert or die about things? Uh, I talked a little with Bill about this, and we talked about how religion can be a great thing, religion can be a terrible thing, and through the years um, in history, we've seen that. It can be great and help people and raise them up, or it can be kind of justification for why people do terrible things, and in this case, it was the latter. Don't get me wrong, I love the debut briefing sessions sprinkled throughout. It was awesome reality TV material, or a respectful nod to the brilliance of Peter David's X Factor 87. I think that's the Doc Sampson issue. I believe. Oh, yeah. Um, actually, the illusions were aplenty in that first issue. As Mentis referred to herself as a mentat, I wondered how long it took her to groom her eyebrows down. <laughs> Good stuff. It was a fun read, but Gamora's banter at the cusp of the font seemed very out of character for her. It sounded like Rocket. It was a little more bantery yeah. Gamora and even with Drax in this. And I, but you also got to remember, like, this coming together, this is the what you think of these characters mm-hmm. now sort of came together over some sure. time. Like, even Gamora, she, if you go back to the Infinity Watch stuff, yep. she's not quite as exactly the same as not she is all. now. Not at all. She definitely, it's a it's, it's a maturation. Yeah. Um, the cliffhanger at the end of issue one was a nice touch, though. The inference of Vance is strong. Vance Astro is great. Oh, yeah. Great character. Great to see. You mean Vance Astrovic? Is it, is it Astro or Astrovic? His his real name is Astrovic. His code name is Vance Astro gotcha. or Major Victory. Uh, the opening page to issue two is 100% 80s action movie rad. I was on board. Glad to see the interviews carried over and the art seemed much better in a classic 90s sort of way. The art was, it was fantastic. It was great all the way. That whole issue had a strong flashback sort of feel to it. The fact that Vance came back to the present was a full retro move. 
In work meetings, I need to remember to exhort my teams not to invite Mr. and Mrs. Screw Up during our next dev sprint. <laughs> I, just, I recently did a dev sprint, so I'm, Congratulations, you know, I'm an man. expert on that sort yep. of thing now, yep. so I can definitely say it's cool. Although it's probably okay for Peter to say my engineers may not appreciate it as much. Still, Star-Lord's leadership is impressive. For him to envision, lead, and manage his crew takes some serious skills. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, he also... Like, you got to remember at th- what Star-Lord was at this point. He had been through annihilation war as a general Mm -hmm. he was on the front line he was leading thousands of people who were being killed and then he had to deal with annihilation conquest where he took full responsibility for allowing the phalanx and ultron to invade we uh we got to go back and do conquest at some point too um frozen time tastes like regret contemplates a moment yeah i believe that abnet and lanny nailed that second issue yes and then the starting revelations of mind tampering ruined Star-Lord's impressive leadership record. Well, well yeah. It's I mean, he's a flawed dude. Yeah. Joshua Cooper says, sitting down to read some 2008 Guardians of the Galaxy for Twin URC. Not always a big Guardians fan. We'll see how this goes. I like referring to Drax and Gamora as the green and means. Hmm. Uh, now I want that to be a title. Maybe a team with Jen- Jennifer Walters thrown in. Hmm. That'd be good. Uh, Josh says, saving the universe isn't an exact science. Should be the Guardians motto. That's a pretty good motto. Pretty it looked good. good on a t-shirt. Yeah. This series has the most interesting sound effects. The old uh, Batman series would be jealous. Yes, it would. Uh, and Josh says, Abnett does a great job in this arc of walking you right up to a big reveal and then cutting away from it. Makes for good reading. Abnett and Lanny. Yeah, it's the two of them together. Yeah. Penelope Cat says, new Twin URC selection in the first six issues of Guardians of the Galaxy by Abnett, Lanning, Pelletier, and Magyar. The series that made me a fan. Mm, you and cool. many people Penelope Cat. Uh, if memory serves, the movies had brought me back to Marvel again. I hadn't read, I hadn't read Annihilation or its sequels, but I picked this up. I was a fan of Dan Abnett from 2000 AD, mm-hmm. a fan of Paul Pelletier from his early days, and a fan of Rocket from the Mantlo Mignola book. All good points. Yep. He says, Issue 1, the issue does a great job of introducing the characters and status quo while still providing a great action story. I love the alternating between the action and the team getting together stories. Keeps things moving instead of making us wait. And of course, Mantis's premonition at the end of, about the team getting betrayed by one of their own makes you need to continue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that one panel. She's like, and in nine months, they're going to you know, like they're gonna be killed and, and yep. uh, betrayed. And, you're, and I remember reading that again. I'm like... Ah, <laughs> like that's an, an intense bit right there. Mm-hmm. Is that? Uh, well, anyway, it's great <laughs> stuff. It's great stuff. Uh, issue two: the inclusion of Vance is clever. Even if you don't know who he is, uh, Penelope Cat did not. You probably at least recognize the shield. I hope so. Yes, uh, Groot in the branches is the best alternate name for the team ever. That <laughs> uh, yeah, little like I like also that Groot starts to grow a little bit yep. more each issue throughout that yeah, and yeah. the uh, the Woodstock like you know when he talks it's just the lines yep. it reminds me of Woodstock from Peanuts comics mm-hmm. it's great um, <clears throat> the more I see the church the more I want to read all of Starlin's warlock stories the church of universal truth is a great villain I mean they really were in that one Starlin warlock story and that was it and bringing him back here was a very cool idea yeah uh, issue three, Gamora is hardcore. That's all mm. I have to say about this one. I love Gamora's moment in this. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. Totally. Uh, issue four, nice to get an issue that explores nowhere a bit without being the standard downtime type of story between adventures. Also, the secret invasion elements don't feel like a forced tie-in. The story works fine even if you don't read Secret Invasion. A hundred percent. Yeah, like, that's it, true. They it, did a really good it job It alludes to what's going on, but otherwise it's just like scrolls. Mm-hmm. And you're great. Boom. Off you go. The revelation that Quill and Mantis ma- manipulated the others into joining the team is genuinely creepy and upsetting. 
Issue 5, Rocket is right. Constant bickering and arguing will pretty much be a hallmark for the team. There is. The Cosmo revelation caught me by surprise. I'd forgotten that the first time I read these issues. Nice fake out from DNA. Hmm. Drax's solution to figure out who the scrolls are is not very subtle, but it is sure practical. And it, it's very Drax. It's like, so well, I'll Drax. just kill everyone and bring them back, and we'll yeah. see who's a scroll. Yeah done. Uh, and that's how you end a big story. Lots of surprises, everything wrapped up and then turned on its head. All the twists caught me by surprise and I don't uh, mind at all. I'm glad the team learned about Peter Amantis' mind manipulation early on. Sometimes it's frustrating when the reader knows more than the characters it makes the characters seem foolish. If we'd gone on too long knowing that the Guardians were manipulated, it would have made everything they do seem false or misguided. Hmm. He also, uh, Penelope Cat says, I haven't mentioned Cl Lang Clint Langley's yes. covers. Yes, can we please mention Clint Langley's covers? They oh are, my god. They are gorgeous. I love his work in 2000 AD. Has he done anything else for Marvel? No, he's only he did covers for... One of the Annihilation Conquest uh, books, I believe it was Wraith. Remember Wraith? I loved Wraith. Yeah. We, yeah. Javier Grillo Marquois yeah. did the story. Kyle Hotz did the art, I believe. No, Kyle did. No, um, Kyle. Wait, you're right. Yeah. You're right. You're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Javier did not do Wraith. I can't remember who who wrote Wraith. Um, I. Javi did the um, Javi did Super Scroll. Super Scroll. I think yeah. he might have also done Wraith. I think you might be right. Okay. Uh, we'll have to look that up, but. Great book, and Clint Lane did great colors on it. Yeah, uh, that, that's it. And Clint has just awesome, like, that composition, but also the anatomy. Yeah. It's like this cool, exaggerated take if, on If things. I remember correctly, because I remember Bill Roseman told me this, I think Langley was a video game guy mostly. Mm. He does a lot of video game art, because that's where he got most of the cover artists for Annihilation Conquest. They were all video game guys, which was Bill. Cool. Smart guy. Classic Bill. Smart guy. Um, Penelope Cat says it's easy to see why Guardians appeals as a movie property it's very cinematic and full of scope and potential plus <laughs> Rocket and Groot yeah, man. I'm not sure how much further in the series I read I think I got sidetracked around War of Kings I didn't so much become disenchanted with the experience, with the book or experience uh, event fatigue so much as I met my future wife and got distracted <laughs> good reasoning I it's fell behind the best of all reasons I fell behind in most of my comics because I didn't have the free time I used to and I'm okay with that Yeah. and now thanks to Marvel Unlimited I can get caught up I'm glad for the guide to to War of Kings that'll really help. Mm -hmm. Even though the Guardian series only ran 25 issues, the impact is obvious. Movies, TV show, toys, games, comics, etc. I became a much more faithful Guardians reader with the Bendis series, but I'm glad to have a chance to get caught up now. There we go. Well said. That is all. Alright, next from URC, surprise, surprise, the West Coasties have not gotten it to Come me yet. Come on! So we will inform you guys of what it is as soon as we know what it is. What thing we gotta, we gotta know. What was the book that we talked about that we said we have to do was mortal it this? Iron Fist? Was it yes, it was a mortal, mortal iron, iron fist. fist. Mark that down. We need to do a mortal <laughs> iron fist soon. Just but just mark it down in your head. We also someone mentioned that all pieces of executioner song, song is now up and ready to go. We yeah. should verify that. Yeah. Make sure there's a reading guide. Yep. Um, <laughs> and a Tumorsi selection cuz that's got to be one of ours in the next couple months. Yeah, we'll get to it. Yes. We'll get there. All right, guys. This was it. We did it. We got. We got. We we come in with so much energy. We got to figure out how to end podcasts. It's our Achilles heel. I don't know, but I know we have another meeting in four minutes. Four so. minutes. Let's go. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. This is Marvel. Your pizza. Watching. <laughs> <laughs>